Chicken George, a.k.a. Mr. Jazz Tronica. And you tuned in to Feedback Podcast. What up, everybody? It's back with the Feedback Podcast. And in this episode, I get to talk to DJ Benzo and Lori from Dub Academy. As you may not know, uh, Dub Academy is way more than just a DJ school. You get to learn all kinds of things over there. Uh, they want to call it more like an electronic arts school uh, where you learn about producing, you learn about DJing, you learn about all kinds of things, mixing, uh, make your own music. I mean, it's crazy to do a lot. And uh, we talk about all that. We talk about their move to being a nonprofit uh, and giving back to the community, trying to help out the kids out there. And also, uh, we also talk about the, uh, the DJ scene here in Austin um, as far as producing versus DJing. And we also take it all the way to the music industry, what's, what's been happening and all that. So it's a good show. Sorry, it's another long one, but it's definitely worth it. Uh, and go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, comment. Let me know what you think. I need your feedback, guys. All right, let's go. live welcome to the feedback podcast my name is back and today i got the pleasure to talk to two of my good friends mr lorenzo benzo should i go lorenzo or benzo uh whatever benzo. whatever you want to go through in your head that feels comfortable calling me what really like what what do you feel what rolls off your tongue pikachu pikachu <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't on the list man. lorenzo okay. or benzo I'll, I'll go okay either way <laughs> I'll, I, I will change. I will change it. I'll up. tell you I, why in a second. I'll tell you why it matters in a second. Really? Yes. Oh, there's, there's a story I want to yes, hear. There's yes. a story I want to hear. Yes. So, repping Dub Academy, we got Benzo and Lori Lyons. How you doing? How you doing, Lori? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for being here. I'm Thanks. much easier to deal with name wise. <laughs> yeah. Once you have a crazy name, we'll come up with a DJ name for you oh, by yeah, the end I'm of the not show. A DJ. Uh, we're gonna come up with one. Okay. At, by the end of the show, we'll have a, you have a DJ name. But uh, yeah, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having us. Uh, I want to thank Lori personally because you were very active in the group me thing mm-hmm. during South by. Uh, really helped out. People were loving it, and so uh, thank you. Of course, I like to share my my love of sh- stuff to do in Austin. Yeah, you'd be sharing any anyway, so it's not like we're special. <laughs> <laughs> It's a focus. I, it's a focus. I, I checked in over here and I'm over there. Yeah, you're all over the place. So we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> but I want to get a little uh, backstory on you guys first. Um, Benzo, you you're not a, from Austin originally, are you? Santone. Ah man. Oh sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> from Santone. And so you <laughs> you grew up with music all over the house. So what what made you want to become a DJ? Uh. <laughs> Oh, come on. No, like, uh, I think, like... He fought I, it. He was like, I want to be a hold DJ. Hold on, hold on. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, s- scratch effects. Um, <laughs> I started getting the bug, uh, I guess, when I was in, um, like, eighth grade. Uh-huh. And uh, my sister was dating a radio DJ at the time. She was in high school. And uh, he was, like, you know, older and whatever. But, like, he was doing 102.7 down in San Antonio. Uh-huh. He wasn't, like, a, doing on vinyl. He was just, like, you know, just a personality. <coughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, 
started, you know, just hanging out with him and going out with him. And like, he would take me to the radio station and like, just kind of show me some cool stuff that it happens behind the scenes of the radio station. And mm-hmm. he, he got me, uh, he was always putting me on to, um, just like DJ rectangle mixtapes. And it was always like some like scratching and like crazy hip hop, like, you know, mm-hmm. turntable stuff and just noises I never heard before. But, uh, it was like two, two things that crossed paths. It was scratching sounds and bass sounds because like before I even, you know, grew up on that, I was listening to, um, on the radio station, they used to have like these Miami bass nights, uh, mm-hmm. on the radio station so it was just like dj laz and just like crazy bass things like that and i would make mixtapes of like these really badass like bass tracks that were coming on over through the radio yeah and so when i crossed paths with him he was like showed me the scratching side of it and it was like basing bass bass tracks and just scratching came together and it was like wow this is amazing like what is this and you heard so, wickety wickety whack and you're like <laughs> yeah. i gotta do this yeah i you know so i heard both of that together and then um when I was in the store, when I came across that, I ended up going to, you know, I was at, in middle school at the time, eighth grade, hanging out with a bunch of hoodlums, and they were just like, half of them were trying to, like, you know, do freestyle type stuff and rapping all the time, and other times they were, uh, you know, somebody was banging on the desk, making a beat, and then I had my five-star binder. So, you know, with my binder, it was a canvas-type, you know, five-star thing, and it had, like, it was just a canvas material on it, so I would just grab a nickel and like start scratching on it and it would make like <laughs> it would make these scratching sounds like really you know like basically like if you just like Don't laugh, if you if you grabbed your like if you just grabbed your zipper and moved it up and down it was like <laughs> scratching sounds so like so it was just it was like a new element to like their it was a new element to their ciphers because one person was free flowing one person was banging on the on their desk making a beat and then i just grabbed my binder with a nickel or penny and just started making these scratching sounds and i was like this new element to their, you know, and this was like back in probably 95, 96, I think. Yeah, probably around that time period. So, Did you have a DJ name at the time? DJ Nicole I wasn't even a DJ, binder? man. Like, DJ it, was, it wasn't even a thing, you know? Like, I was just like. <laughs> That's dope, man. I love, <laughs> so, no, I love it. I love it. So, that was like my first, like, goosebumps that I got of being into being involved in something where I was, you know, making something. Uh-huh. Because, like, I was in band at the time, but I was playing clarinet and saxophone and really, you know, just just whatever I could to be a part of like a community of music. Right. But I was an outcast of it because I didn't, I didn't take my instrument home. I didn't practice because I got made fun of. I live in a bad neighborhood. So if I got caught walking with my instrument home, mm-hmm. clarinet or saxophone, when I was playing, you know, I got like, you know, not jumped, but just surrounded and just made fun of. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just like band wasn't my thing. But then when I, hu- when I hung out with my hoodlum friends, I was like the cool dude. I was like scratching my body because I had a beat in my head, you know? So it was just like, so it was, it was an interesting like little introduction to in the, in the DJ community. So when I went to high school, I quit band. I was like, you know what? It's not working for me in my social life. I love music, but it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't take a clarinet, a saxophone home, be cool, you know? So I tried sports out and I tried all that stuff and just couldn't click with anything. By the time I got to my, um, my sophomore summer, I uh, ran into some cats that had turntables at their house, and I just made friends with them, and uh, I was just about to turn, like, 15, 16 years old, and, uh, yeah, I, mean, I went to their house, and, like, it was the first time I saw a mixer and two turntables, and my homeboy uh, that put me onto DJing, he goes by uh, Sly, his name is Sylvester, he lives in London mm-hmm. now, uh, really good friend of mine to this day, um, <clears throat> just put me on, showed me, like, scratching, showed me, like, German bass records, like, real vinyl, oh, you know, had, like, had see. a, he had the scratch record that I have right now, um, he doesn't know I have it, but I have it, <laughs> it's a, it's a scratch record with all the Street Fighter sound effects on it, and oh, I, you can. yeah, exactly, oh, no yeah, way. so, like, I have that record, and, like, it's Yoga still, fire. <laughs> 
That's dope. If you yeah. drop that in the middle of a mix, man, I will applaud Dude, scratching, you. Scratching with that record is, is always the funnest thing we ever did. And so that was my first introduction to putting my hand on a record was a Street Fighter 2 sampler scratch oh, record. Oh, man, you got to dig that back. Man. I got it, man. It's in my house right now. Oh. Like, I mess with that every day. So every like, day when he wakes up. Yeah. Like, so oh, it was like, okay? that was like, that was the introduction of, you know, in a nutshell, basically, of where like the goosebumps came from. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, I quit sports. I quit all that stuff because I found, I finally found like a community, a clique that I could like run with where they're like, oh man, like we all sucked. You know, we all were DJs. One of my boys was trying to make beats all the time. And the other, my other boy was DJing all the time. And I was just like in, in the middle of it. I was like, I loved it all. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I get more involved? What can I do? So we started going like parties and then, um, and then by the time we were 17, we started throwing our own parties and we started, you know, we were like the cool kids in the school because we were DJing. So it didn't matter like who we were with, if we were with the jocks or the band people or the academic people. Everybody, with the music, everybody yeah. wanted the, the DJ at their house party. Yeah. So we ended up being in right in the middle of everything. And it was that's where I was like, man, this is dope. Like, this is what's up. I love being in the middle. I love being the middleman, period. I'm not the best DJ. I'm not the best producer. But like, yo, what do you need? All right, cool. I got it. I got this boy over here. You know, we'll go do your party for 50 bucks in the six. Are pack, you, you know? booking so, and everything? Doing promotion? Yeah, man. It's on? like that's where that's where I started getting kind of I started, you know, really adapting to that lifestyle was you know um promoting and all that stuff making you know getting people to make flyers for me doing this finding the people in art class that was you know had the art skills to do graphic design and it all started when i was 16 17 years old so by the time we were 18 19 uh we were already doing our stuff and by the time i was 21 we had our own venue in san antonio and it was called the black lion and uh we got pretty much it landed on our lap but uh, yeah, we did. We had a venue where we did art shows and hip hop shows and you know, electronic music shows and stuff. And it was all in San Antonio. Um, this is like bypassing all my two years in Dallas. But, you know, fast forward to where I finally was laid in a position to where um, I was running like a venue and I just turned 21 with all my boys. And we were just doing some underground stuff. It wasn't a legal venue at all. We were didn't, oh, have, didn't have the right paperwork, none of that stuff. But we just had keys given to us to a building that we had access to for art shows, but we did everything there. So that's where I Holy learned. Holy shit. What was, the name, what was the name of it? Uh, Black Lion is what we called it. <clears throat> yeah. Man, that's dope. It was like an old motorcycle garage. And did, did people know, like, the word would get around? It got around, be- man. Like, uh, honestly, like, we, we were trying to do DJ hip-hop art shows there. But before we knew it, we had every promoter of every genre that was trying to do something. And it was always kids, man. Not kids, but they were our age, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds that were trying to throw events. But, like, you know, people like at um, White Rabbit or, like, these other really known uh, places like Limelight weren't given the time of day because they're kids. Right. So, like, yo, we're in the same community. Like, let's do some stuff, you know. So, come in. Got punk rock shows. We were doing, like, hardcore shows. Like, it was just, like, we just accepted everybody who wanted to do events there. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, we got raided by San Antonio Vice by, like, I think six months into it because, you know, they just saw a bunch of kids hanging out yeah. at a place, like, consistently. So they raided us um, because they got they got quote unquote tipped off that we were uh, you know selling drugs or whatever in the establishment because the neighborhood was trying to get us shut down because we were just doing live shits there all the time. Yeah. yeah. So um, and I remember this to this day. We got raided, um, and the vice squad ran in. There were like six, seven deep, like undercover cops, like just had like the necklace you know badge on their necks just busted through the doors and they're like all right everybody like shut it down blah 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 and like we're doing a um 
I think it was a punk show at the time, but we weren't allowing any alcohol or liquor or anything there. All we allowed people to do was smoke cigarettes. If they if we got them drinking, we kicked them out because we knew that we were legal. It's like, right. you know, if you want to do that stuff, like take to the parking lot or outside. Not only you know? illegally, but smart illegally. Yeah, you know, like we already <laughs> knew if we were to get busted, which we yeah. it was inevitable that we were going to cover our back, you know. So, um, yeah, sure enough, six months later, we got raided. Uh, Vice Squad ran through. They kicked everybody out. They shut everything down. And this one, uh, this this one detective, uh, undercover, whatever, pulled me to the side, and he was like, "Yo, man, this sucks. Like, I'm seeing all these like you know gutter punk kids like and everything like like going scrambling through the streets now because they have nothing to do. You guys actually had something going on here." for these kids and now they're out like just out in the streets yeah he's like doing whatever and he's like i guarantee you in an hour i'm gonna have to go like do a call because one of these kids are vandalizing something and they were better off here with you in this venue he was like just get your shit together get your paperwork get legal this city needs something like this and like you know you guys are doing great stuff here so it was like very goosebumpy for me to hear that at that age Mm -hmm. and like at that point like that's where i was like man i i need to need to step my game up, need to be more legal, do this and do that. And, um, <clears throat> ended up moving to Austin, you know, uh, when I was 24, um, and just San Antonio just wasn't working for me. And, uh, I got a promotion with the job I was working with at the time. I was a sales manager for circuit city. So they're like, yo, if you want to move to Austin, you circuit know, city, man, yeah, <laughs> bankrupt <laughs> now, but not because of me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. I was best buy. Yeah. Sorry. I was there too. I, I, met I was, I was best buy from 16 to, uh, to 20. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, Circuit City picked me up, and I started sales managing with them. But, like, so that was the only reason I came to Austin was because Circuit City was like, yo, like, we have a store in South Park Meadows that if you want to run it, it's all yours, but you got to move to Austin. I'd never even been to Austin before. I came here, like, once or twice for, like, uh, you know, some events, like, for anybody else that comes here just for, like, a show. Yeah. But I never explored or felt the vibe of Austin. All, all I knew every time I came to Austin, it just smelled weird. That's all I knew. <laughs> You know, you go like what to a place. Smell like? It smells like it's just like bo. That's all like I knew of like when at oh, that age. Oh man! But now it's like I smell like bo. It's all natural. But like that <laughs> age, that's every all my friends that came with me from San Antonio. They're like, oh man, Austin always smells weird. Like whatever. It's like, but it was so crazy. There's a cloud as soon as you pass onion, onion creek. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that smog alert stuff. But so like that's all I knew of Austin. But I just knew I just knew I had to get out of San Antonio. I just knew what I was doing there. Um, it was just like the support wasn't there. The community wasn't there. Like I felt all alone. And me and my friends, me and my homeboy Sly just felt alone in what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so I knew he was going off to do his own thing in college. And I was like, man, I can't get stuck here. I can't do this. And so when I got the opportunity to move to Austin, I was like on it. And then I met some amazing people. And that's a whole other story. But that's kind of where, where we're at now. That's great. I only had to ask one question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. For, him, for him to just go over his, his <laughs> I don't biography. Know what the question was. What was the question? <laughs> Did uh, I answer the question? No, is that the... Is that uh, I think it was, was your backstory, and then you're from San Antonio. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's all, that's all it took. I, and that's it what was you got. San Antonio this, to here. This was behind the music. Start from San Antonio, now I'm here. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, how do, how do you like finding all this stuff about your boss? You didn't know... Did you know all this? Um, a lo- That part of the story I hadn't heard. Uh, I, I Benzo and I go around a lot to tell the Dub Academy story. Yeah. Which means that I hear the Benzo story pretty frequently but i haven't heard that part of it so that was kind of nice actually. thank you Exclusive. thank you my oh, friend i appreciate it yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. no but i mean you are the story behind dub academy really mm. if you think about it but we'll get we'll get to it later we'll link it all together so you Lori. yes sir <laughs> you're like me in a way we are very similar <laughs> people I'm we're a- night we're nightlife enthusiast is that the word 
That sounds just about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aficionados. Yeah, 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 yeah. You put it, you put it. I mean, you've you're a writer, blogger, social media guru. Keep nodding your head. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I keep going. Keep We're going. on video. It's yeah. Good. No, just kidding. I'm just telling people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, from the Gossip Magazine, the Austin.com, the Yerenay, uh, Us Weekly during Sabai. Mm-hmm. I remember you doing that. Yep. And then now Seesaw. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a while, Seesaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it about, like, how did you fall into uh, the nightlife and I guess the the scene here in Austin? Gosh, that I mean, it's it's kind of hard to put a finger on. Um, I've I've lived here since '97. Came here for school and just never left, as a lot of people do. Oh. Um, so, but for a long time, for most of my 20s, I was in a relationship, and you know how you get all homebody and never go out and all that junk. So, I think my late 20s were kind of rebelling against that. It's like, oh, I haven't gotten to see a lot of what Austin is, mm-hmm. especially as an adult. So, um, I guess I just you know found the right friends and started going out on a pretty frequent basis. And, you know, those friends of, they're still friends, but they've changed during over the years. You yeah, know, of course. Marriages and kids and all that stuff seems to get in the way of yes. my partying. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, you know, and then just getting to know the scene and watching it change and, and all that's been, been pretty interesting over the, Past but you eight are, to ten years. But one thing you do very well, and like I was saying earlier, like you share a lot. I think there's there's something that you're like, oh, I just found out about this. I gotta let people know. Yeah. Like I always tell people, be like, what? I, tell me, you know, you go out of it. I'm like, yeah, because I go explore and I run back to the village and tell everybody. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. I mean, Little yeah, Timmy. yeah. I don't. I don't do all the four square. I should, but all the four square and all that stuff. I mean, I do stuff with the four square is about to be out. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you're based on your um, contribution to the group meeting that we did during Sapai, and you're always, hey, there's that going on, this going on, uh, there's a secret party here. I'm carving this event, so you always know what's up. So how do you, um, how do you keep up, really? Uh, Especially now that you're working for this guy. <laughs> I, it's it's kind of a combination. You know, I, I, I don't profess to know, you know, half of what's going on in this town because there's just so much going on. Um, but, you know, I kind of try to make it my business to, more than anything, make sure that I'm supporting my friends in what they're doing. Whether they're, you're welcome. Whether they're bar owners, <laughs> whether they're DJs, whether they're promoters, you know, I, I, over the years, because I go out so much, um, I've made a lot of friends and not just necessarily acquaintances. I feel like friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're doing something cool, I want other people to know about it um, and go support them as well. Um, and then, you know, South by just it, and part of it's a little bit selfish, too, in that, you know, I started my blog almost five years ago and people are interested in knowing what's going on, which therefore, you know, makes them read the blog and makes them, you know, pay attention. So, um, it's a little selfish in that way, but, but no, it's just, it's just a matter of, I just really love what we have going on in Austin and, and we're, I think a unique little microcosm and I really, whether it's social or, um, you know, work, which is, you know, very community-based, um, very music-based, I just feel like everybody should be supporting each other in everything that we do. And so that's kind of, like, my my kind of, like, 
contribution to the world is connecting people and supporting people. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. We are like, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. You're, you're right there with me. Yep. Yep. Uh, we should get closer to the mic. Sorry. Please. Just pull your chair up or something. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'm like right up on it. No, you're not. I can see on the thing. I'm monitoring. See, monitoring. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have a fucking. Oh, sorry. Audio, <laughs> audio professional next to me. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm doing things. Like, Use just, your words. Because he, he's just like eyeing me. Like, is this? Is he actually monitoring the show, or is he just put, turn the mics on and? <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Pressing Thank buttons you, and right. turning knobs. Exactly. So, uh, well, let's get into it. Uh, Dub Academy uh, founded when? Um, technically 2010. Really? I thought it'd been longer than that. No, 2010 is uh, May 2010 is when the doors officially opened. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and uh, three months later, I I jumped on board and so came across that. What was the initial like? What sparked it? Well, um, Barrington Miles is the founder. Um, He has another company, Texas Pro DJ, that does wedding gigs and corporate gigs. And so as as a running joke from him and his friends, he was like, you know, just getting so much clientele on Texas Pro DJ that he didn't have have enough DJs to keep up with it. So he's like, man, I just got to open up a DJ school so I could, like, you know, get DJs to book to these weddings and these corporate gigs because it's not happening. Losing losing clients left and right because he doesn't have enough, you know, uh, staff like I need to build an army of yeah. DJs so I can send them out <laughs> and dispatch them all over yeah. Texas you know and, that, and that's kind of like where the brainchild came from was like it started off as like haha yeah that's funny but then I think to him it was like well why not you know like well shit DJ school and then I could teach production like you know who does that here in Austin that on this level yeah to where it's a sub level of like introduction you know you don't have to go to a community college get credits and like you know get financial aid and do this and do that like why not just open up uh, our doors and have some equipment in here and just show people right off the bat you know Mm -hmm. so um you don't have to it's it's just open to everybody and um so the idea spawned from that the doors opened from that when the doors opened, it was like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. It, it, so okay, cool. We have all the turntables. We have the equipment. And wait, so now how, what? How'd you get? How'd you get all that? I mean, you have state of the art stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Miles is the investor. You know that that's oh. all comes from me. That's you know that's what I respect about that business and and what we do and what we started was because it it didn't take a, a bank loan. We don't we don't owe anybody. Like you know, Miles was like it was his pocket. It was his savings. He he came out of it from his dream and from his Actually, inspiration, yeah. you know, and that's why I, what I do when when you know when things get deep and it gets hard and you're just like what the what the what am I doing what am I doing here is this, you know I put a beep there yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like I look back at where it spawned from and it spawned from like inspiration and creativity and it spawned from a human being it didn't come from some corporate BS you know it came from a, a person yeah and so I I always look back at that and like all right. You know, I'm doing this because this other human being had a dream and had an idea and I'm and he gave me that opportunity to share that with him. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's where my loyalty comes from. You know, it's not like I'm not here on contract with some company trying to like make something from nothing. It's like I'm trying to create everything out of something that came from one person. So, you know, that's that's where Dub Academy comes from. I should have played the graduation music. That. No, that was that was great. That was a great. That was really great. One thing, okay, I never knew 
I always knew Miles as DJ Jaflex. Jaflex, yeah, because boy. yeah, boy, he used to do the he did ring the alarm, ring the alarm, yeah, uh, for a few years. Really? Yes. Yeah, he did. It, for, it was ja, yeah. it was uh, Jaflex. It was just him at the time. Yep. Junior wasn't around. I think Baby G was Baby, Baby G, G was, there. was part of it. Yeah, uh, was that before Jamani? It was Jamani, Jamani and Baby Jamani G started together. Yeah. Right, that's what I thought. I used yeah. to work. Yeah, with him. they were I used to work with all three of all three of them were just like running the thing. But yeah. Jaflex for a moment he was. Uh, he's the one who did it at Flamingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're learning, huh? I'm learning. And yeah. he, here's what he would do. Because, I mean, you know me. I'm a huge dancehall fan, and that was like my church. Every month I was there. And Flex will always call me out. Because uh, he had the mic, and he'd just like scream out names of dances and say, Buck, get on the stage. <laughs> I can't do a Jamaican accent. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Close enough. But I, get, get, on, get on the stage. <laughs> and I, I'll get on. And I get on. But he go, Shelly Belly. Shelly Belly. <laughs> Ask him about Shelly Belly. Shelly Belly, like, uh, thunderclap, thunderclap. And I would do the dances for the crowd. I was basically performing for everybody hearing <laughs> the alarm. Nice. And it never failed. Every single time, he would call me out. And I loved it. I mean, that was, like, back in the day. And yeah. And I think he had told me that he wanted to open up a DJ school back then. And I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad he really he did. Cause, uh, I am, too. Me, um, too. It is dope. And, you know, it's funny because, well, not funny, but ironic, but... uh. I, I, you know, went through a stage in my life where I was running the corporate game. I did, I did Best Buy, I did Circuit City. Circuit City went under. Dell picked me up, and I was doing Dell, making great money with them. And I hit a point. I was like, man, there's no value. What am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I've DJed since I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. But what am I doing selling computers? Like, what am I doing with my life? Where's the, what am I valuing myself into society, into this world? You know, and I just hit this dark spot. So long story short, like, I quit my job. First time I ever quit anything. Um, took a moment and just like went on this hiatus and like uh, Dig picked me up and Dig was like, yo, man, you want a DJ? You need gigs? Like, let me show you what's up. And I, you know, <laughs> a big, big ups to Dig for, for you know, picking me up and showing me the ropes of like what. That's what Dig so, does a lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, that's, you know, like, yeah. you know, and I, and I, own, I owe a lot to him to um, of the segue that was my life, you know, because I went into this, I was living this corporate world where the money was always there. I didn't have to hustle. You right, know? Right, I hustled right. and commission sales and blah, 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 but that's natural. I sell. That's whatever. You know, there was no like, I was no, uh, uh, you know, it just was too easy. And so whenever I met Dig, then I just like, you know, I started experiencing like the natural hustle. It's like, no, now you have nothing. <laughs> now you need that gig. Now you need this. Now you need to make money, you know? So like right. when I met Dig, he was like, all right, man, I'll give you this gig, this gig, this gig. This one might really suck, but like you got to do it. <laughs> this one, you know what? You probably don't have the right music for it. So take all this music and go do it, man. Like, you know, so like, and uh, that's when he was starting head of the tables and like, yeah. you know, doing all that. And so. You know, he um he got he got me segued out of like that mindset of you know what I can take a risk I can get out of here and do what I really want to do which is be creative and be a DJ and, and live my dream, and so I started doing that and then um hit another point to where uh, Carrie uh, who's one of our instructors is a good friend of mine from San Antonio moved up here um, with me and. Carrie uh, was the reason that I got Dub Academy and ran into Dub Academy and ran into Miles. And Carrie, um, you know, was my roommate at the time. And I was in bed just hungover from, like, DJing the night before. And I get a call from Carrie. He's like, yo, man, I'm in the school right now. And it's just opened up, like, three months ago. It's called Dub Academy. I'm in here because my friend Joe, 
like, you know, he's an Ableton instructor and he wants me to be an instructor. However, this guy, crazy Jamaican dude, Miles, like, needs DJs. <laughs> he, like, just ran in here and he was like, yo, I need some wedding DJs. Like, what's up? And, he, like, he called me up. He was like, yo, like, Miles said if you could be here in 15 minutes, like, he'll get you on to wedding gigs. And I was like, word. All right, cool. Jumped out of bed, got down there. I was like, met Miles. Went through the whirlwind with Miles and, like, the next day he was like, yo, tomorrow meet me at this place, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to show you how to do wedding gigs, whatever, whatever. And at that wedding gig, he was like, by the way, I got the school called Dub Academy and we need a lot of help. I was like, yeah, tell me about it. He's like, well, we're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. You know, we need help this and this, whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, 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 cool, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. He's like, well, I want to throw a big party, like, for the school to launch it, you know. And he's like, I heard dubstep dubstep is a thing right now. Like, I never heard of the, the genre, but, like, what's dubstep? And I was like, it's a genre, man. Like, what about it? <laughs> he was like, well, throw me an event. Like, is that, I is that throw what you were into at the time? Uh, at the time, yeah, everybody was kind of, you know, so, like, so anyways, he was like, all right, cool, man. You're going to throw an event for Dub Academy. You're going to do wedding gigs for me, like whatever, you mm -hmm. know, and we're going to do a launch party. And it's going to be Dub Academy's first event. And so I threw a Mad Classy versus Weight. And uh, and so that was like my my kind of my shoe into Dub Academy because that event went live. It was dope. It was like what I really appreciated about that event was it was like kind of my first event that I thrown in Austin as a massive like that. Yeah. And it was two local crews that brought out like close to 500 local people in a local event you know mm -hmm. so uh miles saw that and he was like all right you're the event coordinator for dub academy <laughs> i was like word you know and then it, from there it was like tmc versus Pelagrosa, blah 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 and then before i knew it oh I was yeah, just that's, like, right. yeah that's, that's right yeah that's right i remember going yeah. to pick up my show my shirt for that show in yeah. the dub academy yeah, 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 yeah. that was the first that's time right. i ever yeah um so like it just it, we covered it yeah feedback yeah, yeah that's there. right yeah and, I, I still have that <laughs> Was it you that kept putting the flashback photos from the photo booth? Yeah. A couple, yeah. about a year, like. Probably. Yeah, those were awesome. <laughs> but, like, you know, it was those experiences that aligned that made, opened up my mind of, mm -hmm. like, there's more to life. I can be creative. I'm in a spot right now that gives me that opportunity to, like, grow as a human and think outside the box and do something different that has rewards, you know. And it was Dub Academy that opened those doors and that mindset that I, you know, really appreciate to this day. And it was a jumping off point for me to, like, where I was like, all right, cool. I don't, don't have to be just a DJ. I could do this. And, like, it was just like, and that's kind of like, you know, here we are four years later that's where my point of view is now. Like I want the doors to be open to dub for people to come into dub Academy and see opportunity, see things that they could bring to the table and uh, basically like just be yourself, be something and be somebody and like bring it in, you know? And like, as far as community base goes, it's like, that's what it's all about to have that bridge and have that gateway of like, yo man, like here we are, we're nonprofit. We're doing our thing. Like come in and like, let's be the network and the hub for what Austin needs, you know? So it's not about just DJ classes or production classes. It's, it's, it's a whole. And that's how I came into Dub Academy was as a whole, not just being a DJ or whatever. Right. And, so. you, and you believe there, you could do something bigger. You big, yeah, you believe in something bigger than yourself. And like, I can exactly. actually do something and change someone's life right. by doing this. Right, right. Man, that's great. I can ask you one question and then you just <laughs> <laughs> get this water away from me, man. Yeah. Uh, hydrating me and so. <laughs> so how how was it at uh, how was it at first? Because nobody's seen anything like it here, right? Um, and at the time, well, you said four years ago. Yeah, five, it was about. Uh, I mean, you still had a bunch of DJs around, but there was no technology was accessible. Mm -hmm. You had access to it. Uh, you had the community behind you. Uh, to an extent, not at, not not at the beginning. How did it go at first? How did people react? It was rough, it? man. Like I got, 
there's a lot of shit talk to me uh, at the beginning. Like even homies were like, "Oh, really? You're gonna start just making DJs of DJ Factory? Like blah blah blah. It's already hard enough to get like DJ gigs here like, and blah just, blah blah." Like, you, you know, crack them out like DJ. Yeah, you such. know, it's like cookie cutter, like you know, type stuff. And I was like, "No, I mean that's not how I look at it." You know, but I could see your perspective. But it's so like the street cred wasn't there. Like you know, people saw Dub Academy, and and this is just from my perspective, even from like just people that I knew in my circle, mm-hmm. where it was just like there was no support there was like it was more questions it was like well why well why is it what there? the hell's like, the dub what, what are y'all doing like <laughs> oh dub academy you named it because of dubstep like you're just like jumping on that bandwagon blah 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 you know it's just like people shit, are full of man. shit like you you're know thirst. like no <laughs> <laughs> and so it was it was like that was the the first i went through a year it was like hell hell year for me man because like so that whole year, it was, you know, there wasn't, a, we didn't have staffing, you know, I was the only one running the office. We had maybe two or three instructors. Uh, we were just creating curriculum and like the, the, there, there was no blueprint for what we were doing. Right. There's only one other school in this, in the state that was doing it. And they, you know, we got the cold shoulder from them a long time ago. So it was like, all right, well, really? Yeah. You know, we, I'm not going to go to like names and all That's that fine. stuff, but like, you know, it was just like, we gotta, we gotta do this on our own. All right, cool. We're doing our own. All right, well, nobody supports it. Okay, well, fuck it, man. Let's just go. Like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's just, it is what it is. And it's always going to be like that, man. That's passion. No, I love it. I love it. (laughs) To this day, you're going to have people knocking what you do. And you just keep going, Exactly. It doesn't matter. You know, you move forward. And you, you, as long as you believe in yourself and you believe in what you're doing and you believe in in the support group that you have around you, you just keep going, man. Like, it's just, that's all it is. It's crazy. I love it because... It feels like every point you make, there's a lesson in it. (laughs) No, it's cool. I love it. I love it. Wait, so how did you build that credibility then? Um, Branding and really just like preaching, man. Just preaching the gospel of like my beliefs and what my vision was of Dub Academy Uh and what I wanted to do with it, you know, and like, and really being able to get that, you know, out through social media. And at time it was like Facebook was just popping and like there was no Instagram. There was no like, well, maybe I think Instagram was just first came out. Now I think about it because I think maybe my, ask the social media guru. You know why? You know why I know this? This is because my very first like personally, my Benzo Instagram account, the very first picture I ever took was at the wedding gig where me and Miles had the talk about me joining Dub Academy and working at it. The very first picture I ever took. Of Instagram. Oh, OK. So yeah. that's why I know. All right, cool. So let me. Yeah. So what that was 2010. It was 2010. Go ahead. I don't know, man. I, I feel like Instagram just came out like two years ago. Nope. You're no, wrong. no, 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 no. Longer, longer than that. I'll prove really? it. Not I'll everybody used it. it, but it I'll was I'll prove around. it because my very first picture was the very first wedding gig that I went out with Miles. And you remember where. your first I'm Instagram. I'm about to Google it. <laughs> don't Google first... it. Look at my shit. I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you know how long that would take? Uh, they're right. Um, yeah, so, you know, like that first year, it was uh, that's where it landed. And um, it was, you know what it was? It was... Um, homie um mark uh who goes by oh man sorry put me on the spot uh double dutch that's new by his name mm-hmm. double dutch came through during south by our first year he was like yo man um double dutch lives in new york now and like you know he's part of like a big a big movement of like just like really amazing music and stuff and he was a local producer here and he was like yo i want to do a show a south by show here in in dub academy and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like the worst DJ, worst music person ever, man. I never remember producer names. I never know artists like, you know, upcoming artists. I'm like, I'm just out of it. I don't know. But like when I hear him, I know I like it. And when people talk about it, it's like, all right, cool. Okay. I'm not up on it. So he is, he's a producer. He was on it. And he was talking about, and this is, um, this is South by 2011. And he was like, yo, um, 
I want to bring in this two crews that are blowing up numbers and night slugs. And it was like Bok Bok, Jamie XX, like, you know, all these. Um, no idea. Yeah, you don't either. <laughs> no idea. But like, you know, Box people. Bok Bok and. Bok Bok, Jamie XX. Uh, 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 and, oh, man, I can't even. I, I can look at the list of names. But it was anyways, like those names weren't popping. They were like they were a year behind their time here in our city, in our state. But like in London and where they're from, like, man, they were just blowing up. Right, right. Um. So he was like, let's empty out Dub Academy, take all the all the stuff out here, let's make this a venue, and I want this to be like the official numbers and Night Slug showcase venue here. And it was when that happened, I think it, it turned a lot of people more on of like, oh, well, shit, Dub Academy is like, you know, on some, some like the, the new stuff and whatever. Like, they're just not about the dubstep and all this. And it was like, it was the first time that we, we allowed people to come into Dub Academy as a venue, not just as a classroom. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that's where people started changing, like, their, their perspective of, like, what Dub Academy was. And it was like, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to do everything. It's did, not just a dubstep. Did you have to go and explain what dub is to people? All the time. Really? Did you look it up? Mm-hmm. What She's was wrong. it? I'm that what guy. I'm I'm that person. What is it? Because you're wrong. We're technically kind of. You're technically more right, yeah. but I am also right. It I say November 2010. It launched in October 2010, ah. but did not become popular until 2012. We're not talking about popularity. That's not, yeah. I I said I posted my first Instagram photo when it came out. I'm when just Instagram, first, you know what that says about become, me. It didn't. <laughs> you are not a what is no. it called early early adopter. Whatever. Anyway, you didn't even know you, you didn't even know about that time lapse stuff I was using today. Cause um cause yeah, Instagram created a new app. Yeah yeah, oh, the, the, the hyperlapse. The hyperlapse yeah, thing. hyperlapse. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know about that. You're how, gonna know about it like in two years. And how long did it take <laughs> you to get in my car because you were fucking time lapsing? Whoa. <laughs> all right all right all right all right. All right. Come down. You guys work for each other. All right. Sunsets. He's like obsessed with sunsets the whole way over. All right. I don't know what that is. No, you don't know what a sunset it's, is. Oh, I thought it was the group. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was not a DJ. DJ Sunset or something. Uh, Some no. producer named Sunset. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> this is good. This is good. We've been talking for over 30 minutes already. Cool. All right. Um, so, okay. So, it is a DJ school, but it's not just about learning how to spin records. You know, absolutely not. You got the beat matching, the mixing, the Ableton stuff, the turntablism. We, we've, we've coined a whole nother term. And, you know, the whole transition now is we are a school for the electronic arts. There is no just DJing oh. or production anymore. It is about electronic arts because I. That's one thing I never liked about you know the second year of getting into Dub Academy. It was like just being like, oh, it's a DJ school. It's a DJ school, and then finally you're like, oh, it's a DJ and production school. It's a DJ and production school. It's like mm-hmm. I don't like being cornered into terms. You know, like I want to I want to have an open thing where it's like, what does that mean, and explore it. So whenever you hear a school for electronic arts. Now your question is like, oh, I get it. It's like, no, it's like, well, what is that? Yeah, I'd be like, what, what does the that hell mean? is that? Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> you know, electronic, I know electronic arts who makes video games. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't wait till we start introducing visual arts into our school. Video I, DJ and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like all of that stuff. Like what we're doing right now is so tip of the iceberg. It really is. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's it's nice what we do. It's nice, nice what we offer. But like the vision that I have and the vision that we share, I think as a as a as a crew in Dub Academy is like it's it's much bigger than what we should be. And what we're doing, so it it should be, it's where I think we're at. We're probably maybe thirty, forty percent of what I think Dub Academy should and will be. Wow. Yeah. That man has a vision. <laughs> well, let me go back to my question. Did you go have to go around and explain to people what Dub is all the time? Tell them that's a Jamaican thing, right? Not just right. I mean, we've we've come into so much BS about like the word Dub, you know, and like, and I think about it as like, man, if I came on before. 
Miles called it Dub Academy if I would have called it something else or like you know what else. And it's like you know I don't care. It is what it is. Like it's Dub Academy. It's it's. It I is. think it works fine. It's dope. You know, like you. There's yeah. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. So let me walk me through. Like, say I'm a kid, mm-hmm. um, and I want I come in. I want to learn how to DJ. Like, what is a typical like introduction class? I don't think there's textbooks. Right. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. Right. There's no textbooks. Not yet. It's not no. like, all right, kids, everybody, <laughs> open their books to page 25. We're gonna Professor study back. what a vinyl is. No. <laughs> How my, vinyls are made, right? So how does it how does it work? It you know it's it actually starts way before that, and um, that's something that we're trying to take more pride in is as far as like the um, the evaluation period before e- anybody even gives us money to take a class, and it's more oh. of like like a counseling period. You know, somebody comes in, and it's like, oh, I want to have a DJ. We you know we're just like, okay, well, it's this much. Give us your money, and this is when you start. It's more of like, okay, why? Why do you want to be? A DJ? I want to be in the booth with all the bitches. Okay, well, you're probably not 12 right now. <laughs> oh. I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah. I see all these DJs with the bitches in the booth. I want to do that. All right, cool. Teach me. Cool. Who did you see? <laughs> you know, like, it's it's more of, like, we ask more questions. No, I mean, I understand. I understand. Yeah, because, like, that's that's one thing that I think was kind of the respect level and the street cred that we end up getting was what are we doing to respect our industry? What are we doing to bring to our community as far as our 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 native DJs and our native artists and our people that have been doing it and all the veterans that have been doing this and busting their ass for 10 plus years, what are we doing to respect the their industry and ours? So did you ever have to turn down someone because they were in for the quote-unquote wrong reasons? I tell you what, in the past four years, I probably, I wouldn't say turned down, but I've talked to some parents where it was like, this isn't for your kid. And you know why? Because their parents were like stage moms and they were just like, oh. Hey, I want my kid to do this, blah, 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 blah. Like we took, we just came from this. We just came from that. And they have like eight different activities. And it's like, and you talk to their kid and the kid's like chasing flies in the classroom. And it's like, <laughs> you sure this is for your kids? You know, like, so, um, it's like, it's just more of like, Hey, we want to make sure this is for you. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's it's just deeper than that. So it is a a personal. It's way personal. It's, yeah. So it's you like know? okay, I'm gonna be, uh, I don't know. I'm at school. I'm not doing anything. Or I want to mu- get into music, but I want to learn how to instrument. I want to get in there. I want to learn how it's to. It's educating. I want to learn about music. There's music theory. There's all right. that. It's educating. Them, it's educating them before they. It's educating them before they become educated. And like Got that's it. that's where you start. You know, you start laying down the path of where they need to be and how they need to go there. So a lot of people don't understand what DJing means. They're like, oh, I saw Skrillex DJing. I saw Deadmau5 DJing up there. I want to be like that. So I want to take these DJ classes. It's like, well, guess what? They're producers. They're artists. They're performers. They go out and they, when they perform, they DJ their music. That doesn't mean they're DJs. And that they have comes their into, hands in the air most of the time. Right. You know, it's <laughs> a, it's a, it's a, they have pyrotechnics and they have like engineers yeah. putting on stage stuff for them. So let me educate you a little bit about that before we just stuck you, like, stick you in a class. It's not about that's not what we're here and so i think once they hear that they respect that more and then they're they're open to take more class and they're open to like oh okay cool i'll take that music theory class i'll take that dj class and i'll take that production class over there Uh so it's more of opening up their minds and their eyes of like what this industry really is and is about rather than what the commercial mainstream stuff puts out there of what djing quote unquote is so they come in so a typical class since everybody has different goals i guess 
as far as students go? Yeah. Sure. So um, during the class, is it you have you have great instructors, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, they come in and Absolutely. like, okay, uh, okay, well, I need to talk to little Timmy over here mm-hmm. and make sure that he learns about mixing today. Right. But this other kid. You know, maybe he's still at beat matching. Right. So is it like kidder like that or is it more Sure. Like well, a- that's when you start getting to the curriculum and, you know, you start talking about like DJ, our, our DJ 101 course. Our DJ 101 course is very fundamentals. We start teaching about mixing, beat matching. Um, and like by the time they get to the end of the class, they're able to mix at least, you know, of the the graduation ceremony is like, all right, you got 10 minutes to put on a mix and it has at least four or five to six songs in it. They have to be ma- beat matched, they have to be phrased correctly, and the track selection has to be worthy. You know, you get so. tested on your graduation day. Absolutely. Hey, it's an evaluation, man. <laughs> you know? You're graduating. It's it's very rare that no, somebody but, ends and we're like, nope, you can't move on. But like, I've had a few students in the past four years where they are trying to go to 103 and they're not ready for 103 yet. You know? Right. So 102 is when we actually put them in a public display and we're like, all right, cool. Now you actually, it's now psychological. Now you're going to be in public and you're going to have to DJ to strangers. You're going to have to figure out the, why that person isn't moving their vibe in their head. You have to figure out why you don't have a crowd right now. I you like know? that. So it's, it's, and it's one of those things like where it's where we're putting all of our students in the DJ's footsteps that took us maybe 10 plus years to figure out. So we try to just kind of put them in those footsteps through each course 101 is in front of their friends and family. 102, it's in front of uh, strangers. And it's like at a brunch or something, you know? So people aren't there. You're more like background music, but you're trying to like kind of get the crowd into it. 103, now you have the opportunity to actually perform in front of like a Sixth Street crowd on a weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what? And when people go there, like no matter how crappy the night was or how crappy their dj set was they always come back like man that was an experience and that's what this is all about we're selling you and we're giving you the opportunity to get these experiences in it because guess what this might not be for you and guess how much it cost you less than a g you know Mm -hmm. and that's what people appreciate out of it and that's why you know even on the production side it's like they're gonna really evaluate and figure out like all right cool is music for me is this a thing that i need in my life or do i need to go to an acc or a ut class or you know media tech or art institute and spend twenty thousand plus dollars to figure out that this isn't for me i feel like we're just that middleman we're that jump off point so do you um counsel the kids if a kid come in and say okay look i just want to learn how to produce right just stick to that yeah or i just want to dj just stick to that or is it like hey it's good to know both sides absolutely so you always always both sides. always right? both sides i that's mean that's good. that's just where the industry is right now like even me personally i wish i i run a, a production school and i don't produce you know but that's just not how my brain works and i accept that mm-hmm. so you know it's one of those things where like this is in a perfect world what you should be doing. You should be able to produce music you sh- from organically. You should be able to make remixes. So when you DJ, you're you know DJing your own remixes. So when you are DJing, it's either organic or your own remixes and your own. You're now your performer and your own original artist. Right. You're creating something. Right. That you just showcase. So if you do just want to go out there and party rock and play other people's music and you're having fun with that, then cool. This is how you do that. Mm-hmm. You know. So we we never shut down somebody's like aspirations and their dreams. It's always going to be there. But we just try to mold the people that are confused. And that's a huge population. It's huge. 
the mainstream media and the mainstream artists that are out there confuse the hell out of people that don't know anything about this industry. And we're just here to kind of pick up those pieces. And I think the great fulfillment that I get out of it is that we are educating society and like you know the are the the questionable music culture that's out there that doesn't get it we're like showing them like hey this is how it really is you don't have to follow this path and be like you know the rihanna's and the jay-z's and blah 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 you know like it's not about that it's about being yourself and creating that and i think that's the most important thing that every city should have is being able to educate the youth of like it's not about popping bottles all the time you know this is where it is it's where it starts is how you do it and giving them that mindset instead and another one. He did it again. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. You are good, my friend. You are good. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it is It is a class, but it is like a personalized education that they're mm. getting based on their aspiration, their dreams, and you just help them along the way. Is that pretty much? Did I sum it up? We're yeah, we're the counselors. We're the we're yeah. the we're the guides of of what they're trying to figure. And out. I mean, and the, the thing I like is that, well, one, do you know how to do all this stuff too? Of, but, like no, you what? don't know how to produce. You said. I mean, I know I know how to get it on Ableton. I know how to I know I know what it does to figure out if somebody needs to be in that world or oh, not. Okay, but I would never. I'm I'm a man of many hats, but I'm not a master of anything. <laughs> would you want to learn? Do what? Do She's been wanting to try uh, music theory classes, and I, mean, I really, I love that when she tells me it. But then she's like, "Oh, I don't have time." Blah, no, blah. I can't. I just can't find one that I that works with my schedule. <laughs> Whatever. I, I hate that answer. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this is about dreams and aspiration, Lori. It is. It is. I'm the only. I'm literally the only person on staff who doesn't. Who's but why not music a theory? Like, why is music theory like the one you want to take because, out of all the classes? Well, music theory and machine are what I want to start with. Mm. But it's just because. I have zero background in music. Like I feel like I need music theory. Just like a to, lot of our students. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to start. I, I'm one of those people that's all. That's. I think fundamentals are important, and I want to know why. I don't. I don't want to just jump in and do it. I want to know the why and the, yeah. and the reasoning behind it. And if I'm going to do it, like I don't want to half-ass it. So but respect. When you so when you learn music theory, do you apply it as well or mostly on the production side? And yeah. Well, yeah. Or do yeah. you have to like apply it? So, oh, by the way, this is a theory or whatever. This is a we this just is where the concept comes we from. just recently launched theory as more of like a primary starter course. Mm-hmm. It used oh. to be like an elective where it was like, all right, cool, take these you know intro production classes, and theory is there if you want to take it. And then you know recently I started looking at it, and we finally you know revamped the curriculum and had some amazing instructors come in and just redo it all. Mm-hmm. I was like. Yeah, sounds like we need to teach this like the very beginning the reason i i always kept it off is because a lot of our clientele are hands-on a lot of them get excited right you know, they want to be like oh, okay i made a beat i did this i got I new DJ. toys you know it's like touch stuff. and music theory is lecture you're gonna like it you know and it's and it's one of those middle points where it's like okay we want people to have fun when they come in here but we right. want them to learn and music theory just seems very boring. This is for me, coming oh, from a, a non-studious person I'm not, that, that almost fucked out of high school. <laughs> I just listen to it. I don't need theory. Nothing. Right. Just listen to it, have an ear for it, and then you'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah. But it's, now we've, we've gotten the theory people to like, you know, once they get to the production course, like our instructors are giving us feedback of like, yeah, they actually are going a lot farther with the production oh, because they understand nice. the theory okay. of it. Yeah. So, so. You, take, you want to take a music theory? 
Yes. And <laughs> I'm going to. Do it. Now she's being called out in public. So oh, I am. I have this now, on I want everybody this re- this to recorded, hear that's Lori. listening to this right now to ask her about I, it I wanna, every time they see her in public. I want to go to your graduation. Yes. <laughs> I don't, we don't have a theory <laughs> graduation. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I'll just walk down the hall with a, like a hat on and shit. Sure. Yeah, whatever you. it is. I said you're done. I just want to see that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you have um, one thing I, I really appreciate about uh what you guys are doing mm. is that the people who've gone through the school uh, are people who've been in the business for so long, and it's people about staff that, members. Well, staff and you know uh-huh. people like DJ Clever, people like oh, Rob right, Swift right. Our artists, that you yeah. brought in, yeah, yeah sure. and then just having their insight yeah. on what it's like to be a DJ, yeah. And what they went through, and I'm sure all of them wish that Dub Academy was around when they were starting. Yeah, all yeah, of them, absolutely. So people, you know, KB Slice, you had Nick Knack come through, mm-hmm. Protege, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Those people you might hear on any given week, but you have no idea that they actually have, you know, what well, no idea, but mm-hmm. they actually doing something more than just playing at a bar, or playing at a club. Sure, you, you see what I'm saying? There? Yeah. Um, I think it, that's, that's kind of like one reasons whenever we started doing like Q and A's and I've always hated going to an event where I saw one of like, you know, craze or clever, like, you know, one of those guys like performing and I would go there and you, you see them walk up on stage, you see them like kill it, you see them walk off stage and you hopefully could shake their hand and have a moment with them, but then they're out and you're like, Oh, okay. That didn't happen. You know? Yeah. So like. To be able to have these artists come through Dub Academy and sit down and share moments with us, that's, to me, like what being human and having a human spirit is all about, like sharing a moment, having a moment where you connect with somebody. And when you have, when you put somebody on a pedestal your whole life and you're like, man, Craze just crushes it. Oh my God, I'll never be to his level. Like I'll never like understand me as a human being. He's just a God, like blah, blah, blah. And then you meet the guy and you have a moment with him. You're like, you feel lifted. You feel like you're on a whole nother level. It's like, man, he's just like me, but he just does this a lot better. But guess <laughs> what? That means I can do it better, you know. And that I respect the shit out of that. Like just being able to, to give those moments to other people and to bring artists in and be like, yo, like you know, this person was always in the dark corner in your in your event, and now he's here and he's meeting you and he's talking to you and he's asking questions about your production, you know, flow and all this and blah blah blah, and you're answering him questions like a human being. I guarantee you that person's going to go home and be like, all right, I can do this. I, I'm inspired. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's not like what's watching. I think, man, it just sucks that like all we have now these days is like YouTube tutorials or like you go online. It's like this digital era where like there is no analog anymore. You have this digital conception of like, all right, I met this artist online. I saw what they did. I saw them scratching. They gave a tutorial. and But there's, all right, cool. So now I'm going to like saw this digital tutorial on YouTube. Now I'm going to go try to do it on my computer and there's no connection there. Like you go, you go, you know, you dis, you disconnect. Yeah, that's what you're saying. So th- there's got to be this, this human, right? Uh, and and again, it's that bridge that we're able to provide, where it's like, you know, that's like when people people always come take our production classes, and they're like, man, you know, I tried to learn Ableton on YouTube for the past year, and it's just uh, there's no like, I take tutorials for exactly what I'm trying to learn, but I still can't get it. You know, I still don't get it. And as soon as you talk to a human being and you're talking to them face to face, they might tell you the exact same thing that that YouTube tutorial told them, but now there's a connection and like they feel it and they get it so they're able to like just put it out now you know it's like and that's what i enjoy about what we do is that human element that we provide and not just like this digital tutorial type stuff (laughs) don't give me that look (laughs) i love it man vans i love it i love it (laughs) so do you have any success stories kids that went through the program and now they're like the dj in vegas 
I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Just Yeah. Right. Yeah. I DJed in Vegas last week. Actually, it was pretty great. It was awesome. Any anything happened there? That this is not about what me, man. Uh, <laughs> come on, yeah, give me some. You know that Vegas saying, dog. All right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, we've the biz. There's two success stories. Success stories that I I feel have happened in the past month, and um, one of them is a student uh, that we had when we first started, and he was uh, he took our DJ classes. He was in high school at the time, as a senior, and he was a percussionist, and he was on his way to get a full ride scholarship as a jazz uh, musician percussionist mm-hmm. to uh, UNT, right? Mm-hmm. UNT. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <clears throat> so he took our DJ classes, took a couple of production classes, and then before he knew it, he was off to college in UNT. And, um, you know, he was there for about a year or so and took all their music theory classes and all of that. And um, he came back recently and just really, like, he's a really hype dude. I love him. Like, he just has a lot of energy behind him and just has – there's nothing that's going to get in his way. He was about to turn 21 this month. And uh, and he comes and he sends me an email. He's like, yo, I'm about to move back down. Like, you know, I want to be part of Dub Academy again. I want to do this. I want to do that. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, yo, man, cool. He's like, these are all the classes I took. I got straight A's in all my classes. Like, music theory this, music theory that, jazz this, jazz that, percussion, like, just everything. I was like, dope. I was like, well, guess what? Like, we need music theory instructors. So why don't you send me everything that you learn, where you feel that you're at with it? And like, he came with it, and like, he he came with a curriculum. <laughs> he like just wrote a music theory curriculum one, music theory curriculum two. He didn't even care what we had. He was like, this is what I think y'all should be teaching. This is what we're gonna do. Like <laughs> blah blah. blah. <laughs> you know, like Take I had a, I had a meeting with him, and now he's instructing. Now he's like an instructor at Dub Academy. He's teaching music theory, and like he just has. Just more and more and more to give. He was like, all right, well, I can teach music theory, but I'm also, like, taking drum lessons. I want to do this. I'm taking keys. Like, I can come back and teach this and this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that, to me, is what all of this is all about, man. It's about opening people up to just, like, I learned, I came back, and I fucking conquered. You know, like, I did something. And, like, that's exactly what we do. Learn, apply, create, right? So it's like, not only did he do all that, but then he went and he, like, went on to his own world. He created a bunch of stuff, and he came back, and now that cycle is coming back. Now he wants to learn, apply, create, and give it back. And, like, that, again, like, ties back to, like, why are we here as humans? What are we doing, you know? Where's that value at? What are you, where are you at with it? And he just, like, comes in with it, and he's just like, I want to give this back, and I want to do this. I want to teach what I learned and help people grow. Look, so. uh, my, did, you see, did you see that tear coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Single tear. You saw it, you saw it, right? Oh, <laughs> God. Shit. I'm getting so much shit for this. No, man. no. Come on, man. No, seriously. This is great. This I love it. I love it. Because it's one thing to be like, hey, we have a DJ school, and... We crank out DJs. We teach kids, but the passion behind it—I can you can hear the passion when you talk about it. So yeah, and that's, that's all huge. it is, man. That's huge. I it's it's hard to work with people that where I don't feel any passion from them because then you just feel like they're just going through the cycles of like yeah, you know the whys and whatnot. So no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So let's switch over to the. So you moved to nonprofit mm-hmm. recently. Was it like a few months ago? Uh, technically, yeah, like three months ago, we got our official nonprofit status. We, okay. we I think we tried to get it last year, but it finally, all the paperwork went through, and I, yeah, yeah, so we're not. So, what was why the shift? What happened? <laughs> you, you well, you point, Lori, go for it. <laughs> well, no, I came. I mean, I came on she after came on the decision was made. Yeah. So I, 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 I wasn't there when they decided to do it. I came on because they did it. So I'll tell you why. Yes, please. That, that was my question. You know, I'm, I'm wait, really wait, wait, wait. There's going to be like a very passionate speech coming you, up. You know it. <laughs> it's been so. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> shut up. 
that his theme Asshole. music? Uh, that was graduation shit. Though. I, I can't sing. It doesn't matter. Go. Um, it all like I'll try to keep this short. Uh, <laughs> we started. Please, it's been yeah. an hour already. Is, are we an hour deeper? Yeah. We're an hour. Well, we got stuff to cover. I Go think I've it. talked oh, for like five crap. whole minutes. Oh, we're going. Sorry. You won't talk later. <laughs> you, you stay right there. All right, this will be my last <laughs> statement. All right. Whatever. <laughs> so it's gonna be like an hour then. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you, if you beat Babu's record, man, you're good. Right. <laughs> so we started working with after school programs and at risk kids um, a little bit over a year ago, and um, it was that was something that where we hit, and I never, I had no idea that we would even do something like that, you know, like because two years in the Dub Academy, all we were doing was just taking in students that want to learn what we were doing, and that's that. And so finally, you know, I think our head started poking out of the out of the dirt a little bit and people were like oh that's cool and the school district started seeing what we we're doing and you know administrators started seeing stuff and it was like it was an alternative thing it was you know and to be alternative means that you have alternative students that might enjoy what you're doing so a lot of alternative um stuff you know you start looking at at-risk kids why don't they belong in school because they don't make the grades to be the academic scholars. Mm-hmm. Um, they're too cool for band and music type stuff and choir and orchestra. And uh, they're too school. They're too uh, cool to be part of the, um, you know, just sports and, uh, and you know, going that way. So they're not going to the, join. Then the, the budget get cut, so music programs. Yeah, get, exactly. Get so then you have too? that to put on top of that, yeah. right? So you start looking at, you know, what these kids are growing up with in middle school and high school. And, you uh, it's it's like that middle crowd. You have that middle crowd that just doesn't belong. And I and as soon as we started working with that middle crowd, like man, I just related like all the way. Well, through. that's you, right? That's just story. Exactly, Santone, exactly. Like, so full circle conversation. That's right. like that's where it all kind of came from. Was like I just related to these kids. Where it was like, man, band wasn't. I I got you know made fun of for this. I wasn't. I'm a small kid. I wasn't for sports. I wasn't barely made it out of high school. So, like, what ends up happening is, luckily, when I was in high school, I found people that were into DJing and scratching. Yeah, we still partied and we still had fun, but at least it wasn't, like, the gang-related stuff. At Mm -hmm. least it wasn't, like, the really hardcore, like, drugs. We weren't dropping out of school and just getting pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, it's funny, (laughs) but that's a thing, you know? But that's what happens. It's a huge middle crowd population. You get pregnant in, in, well, you're a junior. I got three family members that are in that road right now, you know? So, it's like, I related to all of that. And so it just became another passion of mine where it was like, something's got to change. Something's got to be different. And you look at the school districts and you like, you see the people working in the administrative positions and they're all old school, man. Like they don't get it. Like they, they're in the old school position of like, well, this worked for many years and it's oh, going to keep working me, I work going in the education forward. Industry, it I know what sucks, it like. man. Yeah. So as soon as we started working and we started doing after school programs, I, I learned one big thing that changed my life. Um, as far as this perspective that I'm about to share with you was that like, they, the schools, and at least in Texas, anyways, from my uh, from my understanding, is they get um, money from the state based on their test scores and their attendance. Yep. Which means if you have really good test scores and really great attendance, which means you're a really good school, you get even more money. But I know that's what it's I do. Ass backwards, man. It's <laughs> ass backwards. Which means, guess what? The people that are suffering, they don't get any money, and they, and they have to work even harder. And the teachers and people that are, are like do, busting their ass for these kids work even harder, even longer hours, and they're already doing that as teachers anyways, and they're getting less money for it. And so finally, we got our foot in the door with Pflugerville ISD, and they found. Um, some private grant money that was going to fund us to come in to do um, an after school or I'm um, sorry, summer school program with them. Yeah. And it was for t- uh, a high school. I forgot the name of his high school. McCullough High School, I believe. Um, 
where we were an elective in summer school for the kids that were failing eighth grade and couldn't make it to ninth grade. So in that elective, they had to do math and English and all the regular stuff to get their credits. And then the other electives they had was like um, gaming design, software stuff, uh, robotics from UT. And then we were like the alternative thing. Mm -hmm. And we went in, um, we just stuck out. I mean, like at first, all the kids were like, "Oh, DJing, that's so like you know cliche, like blah blah blah." It's like we don't be a part of Fucking that. Fucking kids, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> trust me. You <laughs> don't. Don't get me stuff. started, dog. As far as like my how like <laughs> what I went through to going, that was like just a stage. But like this is big picture stuff, right? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> you so that was a, that was a struggle, man. That was a struggle. Like the first week, I was just like, mm, "I hate kids. I ain't about this. <laughs> like, nope, <laughs> this ain't for me." But guess what? If just because it's not for me doesn't mean somebody else can come in and do it better than me. So mm-hmm. again, just being the middleman, I found the right DJs, the right people, the right personalities to come in and teach these kids how to just do basic DJing. And it was such like tip of the iceberg stuff, but it was like they got their attention. And even the kids that didn't want to DJ, if we put like a, a hip hop or a rap instrument on, we had these kids come out of like the dark and be like, oh, well, I want to rap over this. You know, I want to do this. So like, guess what happened? That domino effect, now we had the kids coming. The second week of the summer school, they were coming in before school. They were staying their lunch breaks and staying after school just to be in our classroom to, like, just discover what we were doing. Damn. And, like, it was just, like, it was an eye-opening thing for me. It was, like, this needs to be a thing. This needs to be a thing. Why isn't it a thing? Why isn't it an option? You know, why is the old school mentality, like, so rough where it's just like, oh, well, if you like music, you have to do People band. don't like change. You have to do this. Exactly. So that doesn't mean we can't make change. No, you're right. You know? Absolutely so, right. Um, so what happened was there was a generation gap that happened within the past three years. And when I first started Dub Academy or not started, I'm sorry. When I first started running with Dub Academy, um, I tried to do the the school stuff, but like I was dealing with people that are like about to retire. And when you said DJ to them, it was like, Oh, DJ, what does that mean? You're in the club. Like there was no, like, it just wasn't a term they understood. Mm -hmm. So three years later working with these cats, it was like, now I'm dealing with a principal where his kid listen to Skrillex. His kid, uh, you know, when I dropped names of DJs, he was like, oh, yeah, my kid listened to that, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah, man, back in my day when the 80s, like, you know, I was going to these hip-hop classes. Like, you know, it's like I he related. And at that moment, I was like, all right, here's our moment. Here's our opportunity. Here's where we, like, strike. And all these, the generation closed. The people retired. The next people are up. And the generation that's working now are the generation that have the kids that are wanting to be what we're doing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that happened. And the principal ended up buying, like, DJ equipment for his high school. He wanted the kids to start, like, DJing. They had the budget after all? No, they didn't. He had to, like, you know, scrounge up all this, like, you know, just private money and donations and all that. So they ended up getting, like, DJ equipment. He wanted his kids to start DJing their own pep rallies or proms and, like, just get it back to the way it was, you know, like, where the kids all supported each other and, like, that kind of stuff and worked together. And that was really just an eye-opening thing for me. So... Came back. We did after-school programs for the whole next year. Budget ended up getting cut. We lost all the grant money. And all the kids were digging it. We ended up doing two middle schools and one high school through that whole school year. And uh, we got paid for it, which was great. You know, we're contracted. But as soon as that money ran out, like, it was done. And, like, all the kids lost everything that they did for that one year. And that's when I realized, I was like, man, we can't rely on other people's money. We can't rely on the state. We can't rely on the school districts. We can't rely on anybody but ourselves. So going nonprofit opened up the opportunity for us to be like, all right, let's get our own grant money. Let's get our own donations. Let's start our own movement to where my biggest goal now, my dream is to where what we're doing is an elective in high school. That's what I want to be at. So <laughs> that's going to make me cry. Now. <laughs> 
Back's got tears coming to his eyes. No, fuck the, your the, fan, the fan's blowing. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys are so adorable. I love you so much right now. <laughs> but that's <laughs> I love it. That's where it's at, man. All right, my, my eyes itchy. Yeah. Don't worry about right. it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm still hosting the damn show. <laughs> no, that that okay, so uh you partnered with high schools, uh mm-hmm. yeah, local uh charities. Local, yeah, I mean that's that's groups. kind of where we're at now. You know, it's it's uh it's kind of like starting all over again. We ran uh, a business for so long, like with this business strategic mentality of like yeah. we need students, we need this, we need this type of marketing, we need this, blah blah blah. And now it is starting all over, and that's where Lori came in. It was like you know at the time um, Wilkins was uh, running the office with me, and I was like, all right, I'm doing nonprofit. I have to make a nonprofit. We have to make this change. I don't care if I don't know anything about nonprofits. Like it has to happen. And Wilkins was like, well, I got a friend named Lori. She's been working with a nonprofit for many, many years. She could come in and help us out. You know, it's like, bring her in. And so she came in, and that was like, that's that's kind of where we're at now. And now Lori is responsible for about $20,000 in grants that we've received in the past month. And I'm very grateful, and I love it. Big her up. That. Yeah. So Hello, a little, Lori. A little pause for that. Oh, thank you guys. <laughs> a little blush. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so what's, what's different now that it's nonprofit? People can still go and take the lessons like they were before. Yeah, we're still operating the same way we have, but now we're we're able to get grant money to fund scholarship programs to fund kids that, you know, just really need this. And like that's one thing that we're generating now is, you know, you go to we started a a new link on our website. It's dubacademy.com slash community. And that's what it's all about now. Now that we can incorporate and have funds for a community type mentality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's that's we're like in the baby steps right now. And that's what it's hard because like, you know, we work around people like me and Lori. People just have like go mentality. And all you know is you see like you see where we need to be. And it's like you're just running through mud, you know, so like we just need we need help. We need we need people to help us out and donate and fundraise and, uh, and everything that they want us to be in, you know, in the community. That's that's what it's all about right now is like finding that support, that local support. And it's just it just can't be us making this movement and having this dream and these goals. It's about the whole Austin and Texas, I think, getting involved in what we're doing. Look, you made me crap out uh, one eye, so I think <laughs> I, I think uh, I'm I'm doing some you're doing something right. <laughs> and I'll do I'll do what I can, of course. Uh yeah. so let me talk to the director of community outreach Absolutely. sitting <laughs> across from me. <laughs> so you yeah, so you run the blog and all that stuff. You take care of all the social media too? Is that it, social media is a team effort. We kind of uh, just reevaluated it uh, last week, actually. Made this fanciest Google Doc spreadsheet and all this stuff. So we're kind of in a in a in a new beginnings kind of phase too. Like this this whole year is kind of a a chance to not not necessarily set the reset button, but just kind of take everything that's been done and approve improve upon reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- reevaluate and just approve upon things. Um, so yeah, so blog, social media, uh, but more than anything, you know, my, my job is making those community connections, whether that's making a connection with another nonprofit. I didn't uh, even know you did that. To me, you were like the social media expert, going out expert, <laughs> blogging expert. I'm a, I'm a woman of many facets, I guess. No, my background is, um, I, I worked for nine years for a local nonprofit, um, that's probably before I met a lot, a lot of the people that know me now. So they don't know that part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I was able to come in and, and mind you, I'm no, you know, I didn't run a nonprofit. I'm no expert, but I ran after school programs. I ran, um, a community center, uh, 
different locations and things like that. So I have that kind of background. Um, so now what I do is, you know, I build the relationships. I work with the, the people who are applying for scholarships. Mm-hmm. I, um, I did, a I worked on our, our summer camp this year, um, which is this luckily has been our most successful summer camp so far. Had quite a quite a few awesome young <laughs> young people in in our doors this summer, which was nice. Um, uh, fundraising, of course, we can't be a nonprofit without fundraising, grant writing, yep. all that. And good people stuff, are moving so. here, so there's money. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. there's, a, there's money to be taken, <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to, to be raised. Yes, right. exactly. yeah, to be raised, to be taken. That's sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh cool. uh, yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, Anything else you want to add about the nonprofit before we move on to the next thing? I mean, what else, what, what don't we want to talk about with the nonprofit, though? <laughs> I, I mean, mean the, the vision alone from this man right yeah, here is like, should be on a poster somewhere. He's, he's a good speaker. But, it, and, but, but just to talk a little bit more about what we do on the nonprofit side, I mean, it's all a nonprofit. Yeah. We're, again, we're, we're kind of getting used to the being a nonprofit versus a small business. Um, but besides the scholarships, um, we're really able to you know, from donations and grants and things like that, we're really able to not only provide the opportunities to people who can't necessarily afford them, um, but who have the commitment and the the drive and the love for music. Um, but we're able to do things like offer field trips to uh, schools and mm-hmm. uh, community groups who don't necessarily have the resources to do that. Um, one of my favorite things that we're able to do now is um, other nonprofits, we're able to partner with them if they're not able to, like they need a DJ for something um, and they're not able to afford one. Um, we partner with them and go and go DJ for them. Like um, this past summer, my favorite was Dull Medical Center had a summer camp for their kiddos who were, you know, stuck in the hospital mm-hmm. or their siblings who were also stuck with them. So they had a week long summer camp. It was like decades or something like that. And the first day was a 50s sock hop and we got to oh, go. We, hop, nice. yeah. So we went and DJed for like two hours for their sock hop. And I mean, there were kids in wheelchairs and kids took it up their IVs and it was just like, we got to bring them an ap- afternoon of like just fun, like an escape, you know? Um, and it, we were able to do that, you know? And so just just little things like that and it doesn't have to be a big a huge thing you know um and then we also are able to participate more in the austin music community in general and that's that's a big thing to me is is being able to be a part of what makes the austin music community such an awesome thing you know we're we're kind of our our own little world here Mm -hmm. with what we do and in in the music community and so being able to be a part of that is is a big deal um with being able to, to do things like participate and we've got a um, weird city hip hop festival coming up this month that yep. we're, we're doing, we're participating in their kids rap camp, which is going to be super fun. So that, you know, being a nonprofit affords us the, the, the leeway and the room to be able to, to do that. And then still also um, provide our instructors and our staff with, a, you know, some a limit a living wage to still be able to participate in things like that. So, Yeah. Nice, Benzo approves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> the whole time it's like, all right, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. all right. I like that. I like, I like how you formulated that one too. No, that's dope. And one one thing that uh, and I've talked about it with uh, with Bavu in my previous show. Um, Austin has this little these little 
pockets or institutions were, you know, giving to the, back to the community, uh, doing something to get those kids off the streets and all that. You know, Babu has Hip Hop Grew Up. Uh, T Double has another. Um, I forgot the name of it. He's working at the Boys and Girl Girls Club, right? Uh maybe but that was w- one little one program that he was putting together and and, and that w- which is which is great because you know maybe it's uh um not everybody wants to be a dj people might i mean people who want to learn how to how to rap and how right. to get get the business side of the 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 hip hop industry for example right. they go yeah. to bob wood things so i think that and and the point he was the point he was making was that at some point, what would be great is if there was like, okay, this is a major Austin uh, movement where we're trying to give back to the community. There are people moving here, which is great, but there's still people out here who need that kind of education, uh, who want that, who are hungry for that kind of education too. You know, so eventually, it'd be great to have all of these organizations work together. And I mean, I'm not saying tomorrow, but I think I think it'd be a good thing to have. Absolutely. It's definitely, it, yeah, and it's definitely in the works, too. It, yeah. Like, we, you know, there's there's definitely people out there that we have meetings with soon to, like, oh, bring. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is um, Benzo's always called it a, a community hub because that's what we want to do is we want to mm-hmm. we want to bring in, you know, people like Spray TX and Austin Mike yeah, Exchange and people one. like that and just um, make Deb Academy kind of – because. It, we're all doing our own kind of like smaller things, mm-hmm. but like, could you imagine what it would be like if we all got together and did a big thing? You know what I mean? Like just really brought that whole vision together as a community. And right. so, yeah, that, that we want to be that, you know, and, and we are starting to develop, develop the resources to be able to do that. So I think once that great. can happen to be, imagine you take like five blocks out of, east side and make it like a huge center and have right. all of that in there anyway i'm dreaming <laughs> yeah. the dreaming is free and i think it's possible it is <laughs> it starts from there man all right uh one last thing i want to talk to you about is i've been talking about djs for a while and the way i see double academy is basically music and technology like you said uh electronic arts uh, but at the end of the day like what is your definition of a dj Hmm. I want yours, and I want yours, Lori. Oh, <clears throat> in in all in these big words you've been using. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the ironic thing is I don't know any big words, so I have to use long winded. Uh, yeah, long winded. Like, uh, you know. And then I'm like, hey, yeah, let's say it that way. So, like, how do you, how do you de- how do you define? If I if I knew big words, my my sentences would be a lot smaller. Trust me. <laughs> um, so I put it like this: uh, it's analog versus digital is when it comes down to it, and you have. You know, all of us sit in this room right now, and a lot of us that are growing up in this, like in the, we're in our 30s and late 20s, but mostly in our in our 30s, <laughs> we grew up in the analog world, and that's it. Right. We grew up, you know, blowing Nintendo. We grew up like, you know, uh, messing with ra- with rabbit ears on an antenna. Like we grew up, you know, watching static TV. Yeah. No satellite, nothing. It's like either if it worked, it worked a little bit, and you can get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's digital, if it doesn't work, it don't work. That's that. Right. So, and I use that analogy <clears throat> to the way we kind of the way the DJ world is this day. It's like we came out of uh, this era where we saw our generation saw the, the merge and we saw the adaptation of like 
we lived in this analog. We saw digital come around. We saw analog disappear. And now we live in the pure digital world. And so it's interesting as a DJ perspective because you look at it and you live the world of like you see these this generation that is just digital. They didn't understand or respect the analog world of where this came from. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's all about like, you know, you could think of it in one way where the past doesn't exist because like you want to move forward and like that's all that matters. The past doesn't matter. It's all about the future. But you have to respect a little bit about like where it came from. And I think in our industry about like the DJ world, there is past into it and you have to like respect like the turntables. You have to respect the feel of vinyl, the sound of vinyl to really understand the passion of where the music came from. So when you go forward with it, you have a little bit more deeper soul into it, you know? And, um, and so I think I take a lot of pride in when, when I speak to our students and I think our instructors do as well. You know, we show a scratch, the scratch documentary in our DJ one-on-one class because we want them to show like DJ shadow, like digging into like, you know, digging vinyl and stuff. We want to show like crazy and clever battling and DMC with using vinyl. And we want to at least expose them of like where this came from. Take it back to cool heart. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, he's on, it's like Africa Bombada, like all that stuff, you know, but like, it's nice to be able to expose the young generation of the analog stuff that we were exposed to and why we are much more into it, you know? Mm -hmm. So... As far as to answer your question, <laughs> of yeah, like, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as like where that leads us now of what DJs are these days, mm-hmm. um, I hate it when and even like my 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 fellow DJs that I know these days, I grew up in out in, in the analog world with me. I hate it whenever they DJ and the laptop is right on their mixer in the middle of the two turntables, in the middle of their crowd, in the middle of them. It's like, move your laptop to the side. I agree, we have to use the laptop. We have to use Serato or Tractor or whatever, but move it to the side and connect and have moments with your crowd. And like that... Another quotable. (laughs) (laughs) That alone, to me, is like what defines a DJ is being able to connect with the crowd. And whenever you have... And when you live in a digital world, like I was saying about YouTube and all the tutorial stuff, you don't connect. There's no connection anymore. It's all digital. You have no connection. You are now like space in between numbers and the matrix, you know, like there is no connection. So like have an analog moment once in a while. And I think DJs appreciate that analog moment and they appreciate connecting with their crowd and that energy that they feel within each other and like being able to play a song next because you know like they're gonna feel it you know what i'm saying it's not on your playlist of like oh well, this is what's hot this is top 40 blah, blah blah this is what my crate that i made before this night i know it's gonna pop no you don't you don't know because digital is never it's never consistent enough you know to a point where like it's always gonna break and when it breaks it doesn't work analog you at least got get back into it you could find you could move those bunny ears a little bit and you get right back into that groove right right but you get that digital if you get in that digital mindset and you see everything is just like digitally once in a while it's going to break and it's going to like you're not going to hear anything at all you know i think that's what happens in like when you're djing to a crowd you you get off you get off route and you disconnect from your crowd now you clear the dance floor and you got to start all over again right right so okay so before i get to your definition lori i just a follow-up thing on that um so when you teach kids, you teach them straight uh, digital, right? So or you go, okay, these yeah. are vinyls. This is how they work. You know, that's to get an ear for it. when we first, when me and Miles were first starting to write the DJ one on one curriculum. A quick answer, please. Yes, quick, quick answer. <laughs> uh, quick answer. We I wanted to do analog. I wanted to do vinyl. Miles was like, "How long did it take you to learn how to beat match on vinyl?" I was like, "Good point." He's like, "We need to make this like hands on and fun." Uh-huh. He's like, "How about this? We'll meet in the middle," which I'm all about meeting in the middle and balance. 
Let's meet in the middle. We'll use Serato. We'll use Tractor, whatever, for the 101 class, but we'll use it just for track selection. We'll still make them beat match and use their ears and use their mind, you know, to like actually learn how to DJ. Mm -hmm. But all they're using the software for is track selection, and that's it. I was like, where? Good call. So that's what we do. So we met in the middle, and that's where it's at. Lori? What? Give me the Webster (laughs) definition of the DJ, the disc jockey. (laughs) The DJ is the soundtrack to my night, basically. Like they're going to control. They have the they they have a lot of um of power in their hands as to as to what my night's gonna be like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think about it the other day like I, I especially after working at Dub Academy I feel like you know I I'm not a DJ I feel like I know a lot more now, um, but you know when I walk into a a bar and there's a fill in DJ and they're playing something they play at another club and it's not the right vibe for that particular place, but they're like, whatever, this is what I'm playing. They're not like reaching out to the crowd. They're doing what they want to do. And to me, that's counterintuitive. Like, you know, uh, the really stubborn DJs that are like, "Mm, whatever, I'm going to do what I want, you know, and don't care about their crowd. I see that a lot. That's not, that's not my thing. You know, to me, a DJ is, or at least a successful DJ and a DJ that people are going to come back to are the people who care about their crowd, respond to their crowd, move their laptops off to the side and build a connection with their music and the people who are enjoying their music. You see the DJs that play in the whole time, just turn down at their laptop. I'll, real quick, because like the, the, the two, the two biggest, you just hit it like nail on the head. The two biggest uh, advice things that I've gotten from two different DJs. One, when I first started DJing, the guy just kept on telling me, he was like, dude, you did great, but look up, look mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Like that's all. And that he said that and it was two words. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, just look up, man. Like after every song, look up and see how people react and then go back to your track selection, but look up. The second one was from kid slice. Kellen DJing with him at Barcelona on Fridays. And his, his biggest thing, he was like, dude, you need, to, my goal is to get at least eight to 10 O's the whole night. And I was like, what do you mean? Yes. And he was like, he's like, you need that oh, open, man. man. You need to, you need to hear that crowd go, Oh, you know, he's like, if you don't hear that at least eight times in one night, like you didn't do your job. And he was like, he told me that. Yeah, that. I'm not a DJ, but he told me that. Yeah. He yeah. told me that shit after we DJ at Barcelona one night. And I was like, that's stuck. And like, now it I make sure true. I find the tracks. I find the mixes. I know I'm going to get an O from, I, you know? I will quote, <laughs> I will quote Orion on this when I asked him mm-hmm. and he goes, the crowd is my palette, and I just paint the night away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Odeon for sure. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that should go on a stone somewhere. <laughs> Shit. His headstone. I, I right. paint the night away. <laughs> no, but it's it's true, and, and I appreciate you for, um, you know, at least getting that, that middle ground mm. where they're still trying to get an ear, ear for it, trying to listen to the music, pay attention, and just going, okay, let me, oh, I'm 94. Let me pick another 94 or yeah, whatever. BPM, that's yeah, BPM, that's how you're doing. Right. Yeah, you're programming, that's so, it. So, I mean, it, it's changed. It, there's no question that it's changed a lot over the year. Analog to digital, it's more accessible now. I'm sure the price of the gear went down because, you know, more or less. As far as like the digital controllers, yeah, yeah. there's more of a, an aggressive market out so there. So, what I'm saying is it's accessible to anybody. Anybody uh-huh. in the mama can be a DJ Absolutely. now. I yeah. mean, Paris Hilton is a DJ. Well, as, uh, what are you defining as a DJ? I know, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, she, she's I know, not my definition. She's a person that sits behind this. She's a performer. This technology stuff, and then there's people. She's an actress. Listen, yes. Yeah. So, um, so basically, all you need to get Serato, get some gear, use your iTunes library, and you're done. 
For the most part. You asking me? I know it's not the case. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm trying I to humor you a little bit. Uh, but you still have, um, like, what do you say to people who say, oh, you're not a real DJ if you don't play vinyl? Mm-hmm. You know, and there, like you said, you're not going to hear that anymore, though. Like that's that's gone with the ages, man. You're not going to get people coming up to you and be like, oh, like like in the next in the next five or six years, no one's going to be saying that. In to the anybody. next five or six years, right? Because we'll be in our forties. Yeah. Well, and it's and, it, and it's more of a a like a draw now, like a specialty night. If you like a forty five night, that's you know? true. Um, that's true. That's something to draw people in because it's different because it's not the norm anymore. Yeah, but I mean, and the thing that works great is that something like Dub Academy that bridges the gap mm-hmm. and goes, hey, you know what? By just saying, oh, you're not a, you don't, you know how to play vinyl or not a real DJ, mm-hmm. you're just making that gap wider instead of saying, hey, you know what? This is how we used to do it. Right. And this is where it comes from. And this is, this is, the technology has changed. You didn't see it. You were born in the MP3 era, you know, but mm-hmm. I think that, Dub Academy is right there. It's, so instead of condemning the new technology, just embrace it, educate people, but exactly. also give them that uh, that heritage. Well, that's one of our that's one of our taglines: old what? school philosophy, new to new, new school, school technology. technology. Yeah, sorry. Oh come on, you could, uh, <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, jazz it up, man. I'm tired. Y'all. I'll, it's I'll, I'll tell you like this, man. Just to kind of wrap it up on my end here. <laughs> um, that's something I've learned because, like I said, when, on day one of year one of when we opened up, I wanted mm-hmm. to do vinyl. And then two years later, we got approached by Native Instruments, and they were like, yo, we want to like help you out with some stuff, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they were like, we want to give you all controllers. And I stuck to my guns. I was like, nope, we're going to stick with turntables. You send us all your, you know, we'll, we'll work with you if you do this, and send us a few controllers and work with that. Mm-hmm. And now, two years later, here I am now. It's like, you know what? You can't fight adaptation. You can't fight, no. you know, the growth and the way things you are just going. Just be a grumpy old man. Yeah, in the exactly. Corner. All you can do is just talk shit, and that's it. And it's like, I'm not here to talk shit. And I'm not here to listen to people talking shit. I'm over it. And so, like, me growing and adapting, I got to grow and adapt with my environment. And that environment that I'm in right now is the digital age of these kids growing up where they can go buy a controller for 400 bucks and learn how to DJ on their own. So guess what? Let's embrace that and at least, like, educate them and teach them. It's like, let's give them the option and give them the road. It's like, all right, you got your controller? We'll teach you how to do that. But, however, there is this other thing that would be a lot better if you learned first and then you learned on your controller. Right, right. Give them the option. Just don't give them a roadblock. Like, nope, that's stupid. Nope, you're not going to do that. Like, we're going to teach you this way. Let's give them the option because that's what people want. They want an option to, like, learn. So Mm -hmm. that's where we're at. How how do you think the the DJ scene has changed here in Austin over the past few years? I mean, I've been I've been living here about seven or eight years, uh-huh. um, and and feel yeah. free to chime on too. So I've I've seen it just change in a way of like, I mean, genre specific type stuff, party rock stuff. Like it's more of me changing than anything. I don't really see like the scene changing a lot. I've seen it growing and like people being more like community and there's more uh, producer and beat making stuff going on, which I love and adore because that's something I can never do, mm-hmm. um, or never grasped anyways. But like, I've 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 grown with this community and that's what I respect out of it is like the community has allowed me to grow with it and like that's something that I've in San Antonio and Dallas the two cities I've lived in before I never felt that you know maybe I was young I was you know too wet behind the ears or whatever and like but this city and the way Austin community works with like just the music scene everybody supports each other everybody wants everybody to win mm-hmm. you know to an extent and and I think like people just accept you you know if you have something to bring to the table I mean we do, we do ha- go ahead you have something well I mean I was just going to say since I remember when I moved here in 97, it didn't seem like, um, and you know, DJing is another thing, but I think it stem hip hop and DJing are, are closely related. We didn't have a very strong hip hop scene, um, 
15 years ago. Now we do. We have an amazing hip hop scene here in Austin. And so that, you know, watching that grow, I think side by side is the concept of the DJ scene. Whereas, you know, five, seven years ago, not every club on Sixth Street had a DJ in it. You know, not every not every venue. I remember clubs having uh, Winamp on their computer. I <laughs> 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 shit you not. Hey, but those visuals are crazy. No, <laughs> no, no visuals. I, I'd, I'd be like, I'd be like, uh, what do you got next? And do, the bartender would turn around and mm-hmm. go, oh, it's back there. Yeah, it, was, it, was even like, <laughs> it wasn't even Spotify or Pandora. It was Nothing. just whatever It was, right. was the Winamp was, and yeah. it was like 100 songs and they, was, they were on random. Mm-hmm. Like, I would honestly, I don't think I can go to a place where there's no DJ. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can. A, yeah. band, a, a band, cool. I'm cool sure. with a band. But, there's if there's nobody providing the music, I I just I, I can't I can't be. You know there. who the first person was that uh, showed me Serato and put me on uh, and let me get on the decks while he was DJing and let me scratch with him. Who? Audion at Creekside. It was like right when he was starting Creekside. Oh, it's like yeah, when yeah, I first yeah, yeah. kind of moved here, and like I was just like, what the hell is this? Like laptop in your computer? He's like, me oh, too. It's Serato, blah blah blah. And then he started scratching. I was like, I want to scratch. He was like, get on. He just like walked away, went to the bar and got a beer. I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was that, it was like, it was that sense of just openness and community. Like, Odeon is like, you know, my boy. And like, he's been my boy. And like, it wasn't for him. Like, he showed me a lot of stuff, but it was like him times 10. Everybody I ran into, I felt in the city was just like, oh, well, let me show you what this is. Let me give you this. Like, let me give you that. You know? That's what I, I really like. I mean, we have a really strong DJ community here in town. Every, everybody support each other. I know there's all these crews left and right, but they still collaborate, do things right. together. Exactly. And it's all love, man. Yeah, it's I, all love. I think so. Well, and be- besides just the music scene, as far as the participants in the music scene, um, we recently started working with um, the City of Austin Music Division, mm-hmm. and uh, basically what they, what they told us was, uh, and this is maybe kind of informal, but they Go want ahead. they want next year to be kind of the year of the DJ because they want to, to not only have the DJ movement within the people who know about it and appreciate it and go to see shows. Um, they want it to, to be a, a bigger part of the live music capital. It and is. It should be. It is to some extent because a lot of the time when you still to an older person or a person who doesn't, isn't part of the scene, when you say a DJ, the first thing they think is wedding DJ. They don't understand the concept of, actual musicians you know providing the soundtrack for the night and all that good stuff um so i think between that and like you know the city designating Pelagrosa day last year and just yeah. things like that it's it's not only the scene itself building itself up but it's finally starting to get where the institutions of music are starting to recognize djing as a legitimate form of music and and I think that's gonna really propel all of this community forward significantly in the next couple of years. I forgot who posted something on Facebook recently and said, uh, "You know how scientists take a big picture? They get on the steps. You see all a bunch of dudes in lab coats take a picture mm-hmm. of all everybody, the whole mm-hmm. staff. Right, mm-hmm. right. There should be one for DJs. <laughs> Seriously, you hard. St- I think stay on the steps of the Capitol. Yeah, like all." 45 of y'all, whatever it is. Yeah. 
and just take a group photo, and that's, like that. that's it. I think it's it's interesting though because it is like that that term DJs. Like you look at Pelagrosa, they are DJs, but they are also like producing and making their own music. Oh, and yeah. it's that it's that merge, right? It's that merge of like it's just not the same way. I hated people calling our school a DJ slash production school. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not about that anymore. It's the merge of being both. And that's why, like, it, I, I want to get away from, like, coining that that term of, like, it's a DJ this, it's DJ that. It's like there has to be, and it's, it doesn't exist right now, but it mm-hmm. will. DJ is is not term anymore. It's like the creative artist or, like, the creative electronic artist now. You know, it's like, because, like I, I mean, said, I dated it back to, like, you know, Dead Mouse and Skrillex. Like, they're not DJs. They're producers. You look at Pogresa, okay, so when they get Okay, so when they get up there and they start turning knobs mm-hmm. and then put their hands in the air mm-hmm. the whole time and doing the... Jesus pose and just like bumping mm-hmm. the fist. Mm-hmm. What are they really doing? Uh, they're putting on a show. They're putting on an act. I think they're you know that's. I love that. I love that video of like Stevie Oki and two other dudes. And right. Like, <laughs> the DJs do these. Day- yeah. yeah. Do what DJs do these days, and they like yeah. all these captions like I like the snob. I like <laughs> the snob. I'm gonna turn this snob. Right. I'm gonna put my hands in the air, and I'm like, <laughs> you're not doing anything. I mean, you you might be a good, great producer. People like your music and stuff, and if if it's a performance people want, then yeah, right. give them that. But because DJing is like the tool you use to perform what you created is what it comes. Yeah, down but to. you did it in a lab. You didn't do it. You didn't do it live on stage. Sure, is but that so that's where like it gets in that gray area. Is like is DJing live? Is it or not? Like I'm a human being and I'm turning knobs and I'm turning turntables and whatever, or maybe a controller. But does that make, does that not mean I'm I'm doing something live? You know, and I, and and there's is, I don't think there's an answer for that right now. I think I, that's the I, don't either, I think that's the the final adaptation of the whole like digital analog thing controversial you know con- conversation we're having. But like that's like where I think it's going to get to a point in the next four or five years where like DJing is not going to be a term anymore. It's going to be something else because somebody need to coin something. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I, what did you say it was for our school? Yeah, or our school's electronic artists school, school for the electronic arts. Yeah, yeah. And the, and I just I just it's I don't know it, it needs something needs to change it needs to be different and I feel like you know like you could look at like a crew like TMC and they're turntablist you yeah. know you look at like uh all these there's a lot of DJ crews and they are DJ crews you know they might make edits where like they do some cool stuff as turntablist but like are they playing original production and I think there's gonna be like somewhere where that's gonna split down the road where people are gonna be like hey stop calling me a DJ I'm not a DJ I'm this I'm a performer I do this and this and this put my hands in the air and I turn knobs <laughs> and I get paid millions but I to think do it. DJs get mad like real DJs you know like what we describe yeah. and our vocabulary term of a DJ get mad I get mad whenever I get I, mad I'm not a DJ yeah <laughs> shit I mean I see the dude like he's turning the knobs and I'm like I would like to hear people's yeah. feedback no pun intended that's on, fine I'll take <laughs> it after this podcast of like the, what we're talking about right now in this very instance because I'm curious on what the public and not only just DJs or producers or like just people that are out there that are in the middle of this like what do they what do they feel about it well yeah. they're I mean, those are the people that are in the top ten of Forbes' highest-paid DJs. Yeah. So they're no, feeling I'm curious about like about our community. I'm, p- I'm curious about our community that's going to listen to this podcast. I'm curious on what people have to say about like what a, what a, a, a DJ crew is, or like you know if that needs a change, or like do they get you know do they not feel like they're a DJ crew anymore? Like okay, so that's fair. That's fair. That's a good question to ask. Cool. Always keep the conversation going. That's what feedback is about. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that line between DJ and producer is right. It's kind of it's blurry, but it needs to it needs to be another term. You know, for you that. know who, I, and I'm just not like you know, just uh, like applied pressure, man. They're my homies, yeah. And I'm putting them on blast right now because 
they are that new generation to me. I had no idea how to how to define them at first. Exactly. Because I was like, okay, exactly. the slice is boom back this, I get it. Right. And then I see them performing, I'm like, what what, what is are this? they? Did it make They're electronic make artist this? performers? Yeah. Like what do you call them? You know, like you could look at somebody like Daft Punk or you look at somebody like uh, Crystal Method where they have synthesizers and you know they're just producers, like they're performers. But like they're but you wouldn't call Crystal Method DJs. No. So applied pressure, now they incorporate a turntable, an Ableton production set, and a live guitar and singers. What do you call them? And so now you have like, you know, then you have a crew like Pelagrosa, like right in the middle, where they most of the stuff they're playing is like production stuff they made or re-edited or got friends that produced it. And, and they got DJing. visuals at the same exactly. time. Exactly. So now you have that incorporated. So it's like the electronic arts. So the electronic art performers. Yeah, trademark that shit. Hey. Something or copyright. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, you might be onto something here. <laughs> All right, it's been an hour forty, guys. All right, uh, I'm gonna skip the the game because I don't want this to go. Over There's the a game. Course. It was just a. Oh, dumb we have to question. cut the game. Jeez. Okay, here's here's a question for you. What's the name of the bar that rep- that's gonna replace Molotov? Uh, Concrete Cowboy. Good. Boom. Nice. If you had to, you had to, we got to come up with a DJ name for her. Uh, she's not a DJ. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not a DJ. Sure. I'm not a she's, DJ a, she's a music theorist. Uh, I'm going to be a DJ someday. <laughs> Watch out. I'm going to be one of the only female DJs in town. Ooh. I really want to. One of the only? You challenging Mahalani wow. and them? I said one of. There's uh, not very many. Let's. We can't. Needs to be more. That does need to change yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And All right. Game on. Yeah, exactly. I always wanted mine to be uh, DJ Grits, but somebody already has that. So who cares? There's another Benzo. Oh, there's somebody. many Benzos. Really? Yeah. I didn't call myself Benzo. That just happened. Yeah. Oh, wait. How did that happen? Oh, Real God. quick. Real quick, man. All right. Got... Shout out Mez. Oh, he Mez always, give up Yes. With he always gives me shit because every time somebody says my name, he's like, you know, I'm the one who started calling me Benzo. <laughs> so, Mez, if you're listening, yes, you started my name. I used to be, I used to call myself Enzo V was my, like, original oh, DJ wow, name. Oh, wow. That's Enzo awful. V. And then we started to say what, or he started to say what, and he yeah. was like, for, he was like, no, like, you know, because everybody always be like, oh, me and Lorenzo are rolling in a Benzo from Easy E song. Everybody would say that, like, full length every time they saw me, like, at Plush or something. So then people were just like, oh, Benzo. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a lot easier than saying me and Lorenzo are rolling in a Benzo. So, it's like, <laughs> so then Mez was just like, yo, man, you're just Benzo. You're just Benzo. Fuck it. And then Benzo, I think, I think he liked the way it, like, wrote out graffiti-wise on his poster he made. So he was like, yeah, I like, I like making bees, so uh, you're Benzo. <laughs> so thanks, Mez, for claiming that. Shout out to Mez. Um, one... Last last question, and then we'll get into the shout-outs and, and plugs and all that. Uh, is there a bar or place that you would recommend to the audience? What nights? And don't give me the plush second Saturday plush <laughs> Dumb <laughs> Academy. We'll get into that. But just something else. Something that either not on a regular basis or something something that people should know about that's happening. Um, the Gatsby is about to reopen. I really like the Gatsby. It's, it's about to – they just, like, rebuilt – on 35 and 6th Street? Uh-huh. Sweet. It's a, I think, I just talked to Scott earlier tonight. It's about two weeks away, I think. They've just been rebuilding the inside and permitting and, you know, how City of Austin is with all that junk. So, um, they're a really cool, like, um, cocktail bar and huge improvements are being made. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a big, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Dirty Bills kind of gal. Anything? I don't know, man. I feel like I'm just getting that age right. I I'd rather just be like on the east side socializing. Than, That's fine. You know what I mean? Then like, give me a place. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know, man. Like it's it's hard. You know, there, there's if I was like if I wanted. If you're out, where will you be? Right now? No, not tonight. But oh. when you go out, where can people find you? I guess hanging out, playing That's NBA all. Jam, dog. <laughs> where? Uh, Empire claiming my championship there you over go. and over and but over at and the over button down and arcade. Over. Shout it out. Shout out button down arcades. <laughs> Boom Baptist, you're the man. But I'm still the champ. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. That's it. Uh, let's get into plug shout outs. Um, social media. How can people find out what's up? So, so we actually this is, this is when I shut up and Lori gets to talk. Mm. <laughs> no, sorry. This is when Benzo shuts Benzo up yeah. and Lori gets to talk. All right, I'm going to go pee. Go ahead. <laughs> <coughs> sorry. Um, so we actually have our own podcast starting soon. Nice. Um, that we're excited about. Uh, our friend Misa is the host for that. She's a very quirky little personality that we happen to love. So it's going to be. Music related, um, a little bit of uh, Austin music politics, that kind of good stuff. Misa always got shit to say, man. Misa always got <laughs> shit to say. And animal facts. Always. Perfect. Animal facts? Animal facts. All you right. can't have a podcast without animal facts. I do. I mean, we can't, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's coming up soon. I think we're launching that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Next Sunday, the 7th, we have our Ableton user group, which we have once a month which is pretty cool. It's um, just free, basically a free workshop from a certified Ableton instructor. Uh, Actually looking at you Tom's the whole the time. Man. I had to make sure I said it properly. Yeah, Tom. That is your boss after all. Tom is, is, is the man. Uh, he comes out and does some pretty, pretty badass workshops. So it's a great way for people who are um, Ableton fans and Ableton users to get together and, and just learn some extra, extra, extra. Cool. Um, as you mentioned before, we've got our second Saturdays at Plush. Yes. Shout out Plush. Where would any of us be without Plush, really? I got my start there. Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, like, I mean, I think that's where a lot of us actually know each other from. Yeah. That's it. That right there is, is, is the it's definition the of a hub. It yeah, is hub. it is. Um, so shout out Plush. Um, uh, September 18th through 20th is the Weekender Festival. That's going to be badass. We're going to be, I think we're going to do a couple of those Artist Q and A's like he talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, headliners include Dilated Peoples, Pharaoh Munch, Jean, Jean Grey, Guilty Simpson. Is that the Weekender Blockhead. or the other? No, that's Weekender. Oh, is it? So yeah, long. that's a weird hip hop festival thing. Right. Yeah. So then, the, uh, yeah, the Weird City is the next weekend. Oh, it is. Wait, no, you're right. You're right. right. That was Weird City. Man. Yeah. Sorry. I told y'all. It's Come now, on, wrap it's it up. Now, All right, you're fired. Up. It's now 1030 at night. <laughs> wrap okay, it that up. was Weird City. And at Weird City, we're going to have a kids rap camp on that Saturday. Um, but the weekend fe- weekender fester- festival <laughs> is the Empire the weekend before that. Okay, gotcha. It's going to be awesome, too. I'll just need okay. I'll just need to get links to all of that so yep. I can add it to the post. Okay, and then the very last thing. Two, okay, two last things. Okay. Because you mentioned both DJ Shadow and Africa Bambata earlier in the podcast, on the 18th, Shadow and Cup Chemist are doing uh, Renegades of Rhythm, which is they're yep. playing all Africa Bambata's uh, record collection, which is going to be pretty badass. That's all the Dub Academy sponsored? Uh, we're yeah. helping out with it. We're, yeah. we're, oh, okay, cool. We're a co-promo. Fr- co-pro friendly sponsor. Are we going to be doing some giveaways on that? Oh, yes. Yes, we're giving away tickets <laughs> for that. Thanks. Um. But I got it's because I got really excited about our very last thing, which is pets on decks on the 27th and 28th. It's going to be a bring your pet down and take one of those 
lovely, goofy, awesome pictures of them behind a pair of turntables. Because why not? Because why not? Because it's gonna That's be cute. it's gonna be a fundraiser. We're gonna have Lovable out as a um, doing an adoption event. It's gonna be a fundraiser. We're gonna turn it into a calendar. It's gonna be magical. Um, yeah, but we are going to be doing some giveaways for uh, some of these events for tickets. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the Shadow one and maybe Fun Fest, I think. Or is it just a Shadow event that we're doing ticket giveaways? The Shadow and Either the, way, just yeah. keep in touch with yeah. our Facebook page. We'll Facebook. be doing ticket giveaways. Facebook, Instagram, so Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pin and Stress. Pinterest, Google Plus, LinkedIn. Uh, everything Dub Academy. Spotify, it's all SoundCloud. Okay. It's like, it's all there. Pretty easy. <laughs> all right. Hour 45. Okay. I got to go through what's happened. No, it's not. It's all right. I got to go through everything that's happened this, uh, this weekend. Uh, real quick, because I know uh, not everybody listens to a two-hour show. Uh, Friday, Body Rock. Always first Friday. They're doing tribute to the booty. Booty! So, Baby Got Back, Crumb Shaker, all those tracks. This all start their tribute at 12 uh, at midnight. Uh, so that's five bucks at Hair Lounge, Body Rock with Rise Against the Storm, who just had their last day on Saturday, which was dope. Um, let's see, what else? Friday, More Fire, More Fire, sorry. Uh, that's Q45, 10 p.m. at Empire Control Room. If you like that Caribbean music, reggae, dancehall, uh, it's great. I went there last month, I had a blast, danced my ass off back there on the patio at Empire. Uh, Saturday is Ring the Alarm, so that's more uh, reggae, dancehall stuff. Uh, Victory Grill on East 11th with Junior Vibes and DJ Sebu. Uh, 21 plus, 7 bucks. And then if you're on this side of town, uh, Table Man's crew is doing a regroup at Plush. So that's Dig, that's Framo, Slice, Charlie, Casey Cuts. Uh, doing anything like they do at Plush all the time. I mean, these guys are really putting it down for a long time and got to go there and support. And last but not least, Sunday is CK's birthday party at Swift Attic. 8 p.m. If you don't know who CK is, uh, he's been around for a long time. He opened uh, Swift Attic, which is a delicious restaurant. You got to check it out. If you like eating to some hip-hop, that's where that's the place to go. I love it. I uh, got to support the guy. And uh, they'll be accepting donations for the Dress for Success uh, organization, which basically, uh, and I'll take this from the website, promotes the economic independence for disadvantaged women by providing professional attire and network of support. Uh, and create development tools to help women thrive in work and life. I just quoted the website. Sorry. But it's a great cause. Uh, that's it, guys. I know it was a long show. That's two in a row. Uh, but it's cool because people got shit to say, and that's what the feedback is for. So uh, thank you. Uh, make sure you spread the word. Facebook, Twitter. We're on Instagram, too. Uh, you can email me at podcast at thefeedback.com. B-A-K-F-4 because I love my name. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Let your friends know. Go back and listen to the archive. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of people I've had on the show. Great talks. Uh, find out about what it. Find out about the people who are making Austin what it is, and uh, really uh, support. Go out and support them. Uh, and make sure you subscribe, rate, comment, everything. And that's it. I just did this in two minutes. Uh, this is a record. So I'll just leave it at that. Benzo, thank you. I got one more thing to say. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're not playing right now. <laughs> no, thanks so much for having us on. Lori, thank you. It. And thank go, you go so to www.dubacademy.com. Find out what these guys are doing. It's great. And uh, go support. All right? Yeah. Talk to you next week. Ciao.